0: Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It is August 7th, 2021, and this is part two of episode 76. Hopefully, you got through part one from yesterday. If you didn't, yesterday's episode was the pre-race show in heats 1A and 1B of the 1975 Seattle Seafair Regatta. And this is part two of that episode because this is the second year in a row with no seafair in Seattle. I thought it'd be a great chance to revisit a classic race from Seattle from years gone by. And I chose the 1975 Seafair Regatta. I had a lot of different reasons to choose this one. Digging through their archives, this one just kind of stood out for me. It's a classic year of different hydroplanes mixing it up, and there's so many different personalities. And you're going to hear from some of those on this episode because, in part two, with heats 2A and 2B, you have, of course, you have the nine boats. You have the Lincoln Thrift, the Atlas Van Lines, the Hams Bear, Wisefields, Vance PX, Miss Budweiser, Pride of Pain Pack, Miss Verners, and the Miss US. But in this episode, you're going to hear interviews from drivers and owners featuring George Simon, Bernie Little, Dave Heronsberger, George Henley, Milner Urban, Bill Muncie, and Jim Kurth. You're going to hear heats 2A and 2B as they happen live on the tape. And just so you get that true seafare experience, you get to hear some of the security officers hassle the reporters in the pits. So... Listen for that as the audio goes on. This is a long episode. This is over two hours, so you gotta bear with me listening through all the interviews because there's also after the heat races, there's a preview of the final heat. Bill Muncie talks about what's gonna happen with the last two races in Phoenix, Arizona, as well as San Diego. Bernie Little talks about how his boat's not an old boat, he gets to look rough with it. Here from Miller Irvin again, David Heronsberger, which he talks about wanting to build a brand-new boat for an 1876 here. you also hear from Mickey Raymond and Bob Fendler. Lots of voices here, and a lot of times where uh, (laughs) announcer Ray McMacken has to hold back Mike Fitzsimmons as he goes through several digressions of the racing. And you can tell that Mike is a super fan of the sport here. Well, if you want to skip ahead and just listen to the final heat, That will come out tomorrow on August 8th on Sunday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And that will have the final heat for the 1970 Ferris Seafair Regatta as well as the winter interviews and a race recap with that. And that will be a shorter episode. That will be around an hour. Again, this is over two hours, so hopefully you're comfortable and you got a good snack. And don't forget to use the restroom before we get in that time machine once again. So buckle up, relax, and let's travel back to the year 1975. On the shores of Lake Washington for the Seafair Regatta.
1: 20 miles an hour and then a second lap at 119, and that was the end. And looking back over the nine boat field in two sections of uh, Heat One, we had one out of the five actually running at the end of uh, 1A and two out of the four at the end of 1B. I don't know what kind of action that bodes for the future. Incidentally, we've got uh, Bill Muncy on his way right up here to Pitt Central. and Oh, okay. The word just came that they lost a prop on the Miss U.S. Well, that's... It's the... sticking
2: in the bottom that's... of the
1: boat. You, you th- here's, here's Bill Muncy. Bill, you can grab that microphone, and uh, we'll get you on here with a little dope.
2: What happened, of course, as you know, everybody jumped a gun but the Alice van lines, and uh, we have a little tricky thing dri- the, the uh, referee will do for drivers in case there is a, a, a rule uh, you know, abuse or oh, yeah. somebody disqualified or, in this case, jumping the gun. You come around, and if the clock is halfway blacked out, then we know that somebody in the field is running illegally. He's got an extra lap to run, or he could have done something else. But generally speaking, on the start, that's, that's exactly what happened. So when I came around, I was positive at the starting line that everybody jumped the gun, but when I came around, I knew for sure So I proceeded just to run as consistently as possible, and the truth is I ran out of alcohol about 100 gallons worth in the back chute. Well, we use alcohol to make the engine go. We use gasoline to prime it, to start it. And you carry about four gallons aboard of of gasoline. So if you can make that switch while you're moving at high speed, it's very tricky, but if you can do it, it's really great because you can at least get get to the barn. So uh, I went to the gasoline as quickly as I could, and I, of course, I got down low and I got off a plane partially. But we have a rule that means that you, as you get the black flag, that means you're running dangerously. You're jeopardizing somebody else's opportunity to perform safely. And uh, I did get the checkered flag and I did get the black flag all at the same time mm-hmm. and I stopped, you know, and I pulled the well, in this well case, the outside of the race. What course. I'm
1: getting to, you're still hopeful you got 300 points. Or maybe even 400?
2: Well, to be honest <laughs> with you, I thought I was winning. I thought I got the checkered flag for being first at the end of the, I don't know, there's been a judgment call or how, how he's called it yet. I haven't really heard, actually.
1: Well, that's one of the things. But Bill, thanks for clearing that up uh, again, please? Okay, we're going to stay right with it here, Bill. Uh, getting the word that the U.S. threw a prop, did you uh, have a chance to look at it when it came Oh, down? yeah. It, uh,
2: it threw the whole wheel off, and par- uh, part of it is sticking in the bottom of the boat. Mm-hmm. and, uh, hey, these guys are running, and he was running beautifully. Gee, he was in good attitude, and he was running good good lap speed, you know, and uh, he was just winding really tight, and that maybe that wheel just wouldn't take the load. It's hard to tell. We do a lot of things. We magniflux them, and we dissect them, and uh, just at the stern of the, of the U-2, the Miss U-S, the propeller that throws this big rooster tail, you just, i got to understand, Rod, that we only... We turn the wheel about 14,000 revolutions per minute, but we only ride on one blade of a two-bladed propeller. Right. And the end result is that one blade for that split moment is out of the water, and that's what throws the rooster tail. Well, as it comes to the end of the water, it enters into the water at such tremendous force. At 150, it's about 450 pounds per square inch. The load on that propeller is just tremendous. And you can, as I say, die checks and magnaflux it and do all kinds of tricky things. But it just won't always sustain that load. It's very fine. It's uh, aesthetically, it's an interesting design. It's delicate. And hey, in this case, it let
1: go. Okay, but what's the prognosis, would you say? Can the U.S. race again today? Well, they've got a hole. They've got a patch.
2: And whether they can patch that between heats and be subject to the inspection that we've got here past that, uh, I don't know. It's in a precarious spot. It's right in front of the rudder and just behind the strut. The main strut that takes all the load of the propeller and the horsepower that's generated to that propeller.
1: Do you have any personal assessment of the damage to the pack and whether they're going to repair it? I
2: didn't see the one. I didn't see the pack. There was damage. I did hear that I ran into them, but that was. I'd like to be able to run as that fast to be able to run into here. <laughs> No, I don't mean that. With the whole in it, Hey, I'm sorry, though, if they have a problem, I hate to see it, because this is going to come down to the biggest shootout this afternoon you've ever seen, and I want the pack in it, I want the U.S. in it, and I want the Weisfields in it, and all the hot dogs, you know, the Budweiser. It's going to be the great one of the greatest races this afternoon. Well, now the, the question comes up
1: uh, with the attrition that's going on and some of these boats conking out. Are we going to have enough uh, boats to run two sections of heat, too? Well, I don't know about that yet. We've had certainly some difficulties. That was supposed
2: to be a six-boat heat, and you only had three or four boats running. Uh, one of them, uh, the fourth one, I guess, didn't complete it either. So it could get down to, to where we only have heat two, even, and uh, or certainly uh, we'll have two A or two B. But uh, the final heat is going to be a bomber, and I just hope all these hot dogs are here to bomb each well, other. <laughs> craft, your craft is operable. It's, it's okay. Well, yeah. the only problem is it isn't quick enough. Mm. The fastest it would run was about 148 miles an hour, and... Uh, had a tremendous drop in oil pressure, which is frightening, and we only really have that one engine that was running reasonably strong. Just, I'm just not running as fast as you
1: got to run to be competitive. Here. Did you hear the lap speeds on the uh, U.S. 120 and 119? That's impressive. That's
2: something. Man, that's got to get your attention. You understand to to run 120 to 121 miles an hour average, you got to be running 155 in the shoots And yeah, he may be only getting it for a moment or two in the shoot, but yeah, you got to really be smoking. And that's an impressive performance certainly, and it's a brand new record, of course. Okay, is it Marty Wyatt? Yes, okay, Martin, you're on. Okay, Rod, I'm
3: standing here with the owner of the Miss U.S., George Simon. George, are you going to be able to get back on the course and back in the race?
4: Martin, we're trying everything we can to get back in. It's going to be very close. Is the the, uh,
3: prop in the hull?
4: The prop is embedded right into the hull, and we're trying to dislodge it right now.
3: It was really running good. Is the motor any problems with the motor now, is it just a matter of the damaged hull?
4: Just a matter of the prop right now. Of course, you really don't know how to test the engine, the engine. prop came off and you could have had a surge uh, give us an engine problem we don't know how to get back in
3: okay how you feel about the boat the way it was running I know you must feel good uh, oh, the, the lap speed is about we're we're 120.
4: 120 going into this race and uh, this time we'll tell see how the end result will be
3: well you've got the experience crew if you can get it back anybody can I know you can get it uh,
4: I'm sure hoping that they can do it counting your money I know you'd
3: like to win here
4: oh we sure would but this uh, loses 400 points and that's uh, kind of difficult playing catch-up the rest of the, the rest of the race
3: Okay, well, thank you very much for thank taking you, the time. I know you're very busy right now. George Simon, the owner of the Miss U.S., they're working frantically now trying to get that boat ready. They know that they're competitive with the speeds that they've run uh, in just in the last heat. Back to you, Ron.
1: Okay, we've just been given the word on the draw for Heat 2, assuming that all these boats will go. And in 2A, Lincoln Thrift, Bill, your boat, the Atlas, the Ham's Bear, oh, the Wisefield's going to be in there with you, and the Vans PX. And in 2B, four boats... The Budweiser with the Verners, the Pay and Pack, and the Miss U.S. I was kind of hoping the Weisfields would run into a bridge or something like that. Well, you see, he set out there like you like to do, sometimes Never. running second, let the, the people burn themselves up. Hey, you got to get
2: up awful early in the morning to get up before Shoemaker gets up. And, uh, hey, he's a sharp guy, and he had a little left considerably more. We know that he can turn 122 on this race course, and he was just parked. You know that sometimes you can park on somebody's stern and just worry him to death. Uh, drive them into maybe a driving error or something happens. Uh, maybe they'll stuff it in the corner. They know you're parked right on their stern. They go in the corner maybe a little quick, and some strange things happen. So uh, Shoemaker drove a brilliant race. He ended up with 400 points. He's on his way to the bank so far.
1: So far. Well, Marty Wyatt has another report from a problem both the pay and pack. Well, uh, Marty didn't
5: make it.
1: Oh, it's Mike. Okay. Yeah.
5: He- <laughs> okay, one of us is here anyway. Dave Herzberger has taken a little time off from the boat. Dave, that's a pretty nasty-looking gas. What can you do with it?
6: Well, we're going to put a patch over. That's where the medicine pickle fork stuck in our side up there coming down to the start or milling for the start there. So. Uh-huh. We'll put a patch on that. We've got a little sponson problem up there when you hit a hole coming in the last corner nose in the sponson and pull aluminum, but we're putting that back together. So I think we'll be ready to go here. We've got a good break. we got the second heat draw this time, 2B, so gives us a little more time, luckily.
5: I see that you've got that one buffed down pretty well. Oh, you got a crew on that one too, huh?
6: And everybody helping. The Shakey's Pizza and the Budweiser and uh, just everybody's really pitching in and really giving things. You know,
5: it feels job. good to see this day because this is the way it's been for years and years. Somebody gets in trouble and five, four or five crews descend on it and take care of things.
6: That's really what it's all about and that's the way everybody does and it's just tremendous. How badly
5: again is that sponson?
6: Sponson is our worst problem. Uh, we're putting it back together, uh, double screwing it where we had single screws now and uh, hoping it just stays together. If he hits another hole, he could be in trouble. We just We're just going to have to hope for the best.
5: might have weakened a few spots you're not sure of yet, huh? Pardon? I didn't hear you. Might have weakened a couple of spots. It'll show up later. I didn't
6: hurt any of the underneath structure, just the skin come loose, but uh, uh, I think it'll be all right. I'm hoping
5: so. I know your answer to get back. Thank you, Dave. Thank you very much. Well, there's the word from the man. They'll be ready. And if you can see the the fervor with which these crews are working. I have no doubt about it either. As a matter of fact, as I look at it at the moment, Rod and all of you other fellows, the aluminum shield patch has just gone over the, the hole in, in the uh, uh, side of the boat, so that one, for all practical purposes, is patched. Now it's the sponsor and, and, uh, and uh, they're putting the screws back in that, the double screws, as you heard Dave say. So it appears that uh, with the additional time being gained by having the 2B uh, draw, they'll be in
1: good shape for racing. Right? Yes, and that works as well for the Miss U.S., which has the other problem with the prop embedded in the hull because it gets until 2 o'clock and 2 p before it has to race again. Well, we'll be back here at Lake Washington with more of the Between Races action in just a moment. Mike, this is
7: the beginning of the race where the Miss U.S. came screaming out and set a new course record. 120.643 miles an hour course record for a two and a half mile race course, and that's the U.S. going into the lower corner. She actually had a picture perfect start. Billy Shoemaker and the Wisefields, on the other hand, thought he was early, and of course, so he backed off. You saw there the Vans <clears throat> PX that went dead in the water, and there's the U.S. screaming around. Uh, there he had trouble. He this went, is on uh, this is on the lap that he went dead, and he started lap go three. Wrong, three and started uh, lap three, went dead in the water. The Wisefields took the lead and held it until the completion of Heat 1B, and that is what we are looking at, at the very moment. And if you need any identification, if you're from out of town, that's Mount Rainier. (laughs) 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 So things are fairly calm, out here on the course anyway, Uh, and you're looking at the point totals as they stand, the Lincoln Thrift got 300 points for finishing second. The Atlas Van Lines, uh, which did not finish, is in Heat 2A. This is the lineup for Heat 2A. Five boats are in it. The Lincoln Thrift with the uh, 300 points. Uh, Muncie and the Atlas Van Lines did not finish in Heat 1A. The Ham's Bear, also a DNF. The Wisefields, uh, which just raced a moment ago, will be back out uh, for Heat 2A. And the Vans PX, which had a DNF. Actually, at the moment, the point spread between the Wisefields and the pay pack uh, looks pretty uh, even and right at the moment, 400 apiece, and uh, the National High Point Championship still uh, about in the same place at the moment, 76 points between them coming out of the Gold Cup. That still holds. The uh, interesting thing is that the, the U.S., uh, uh, which uh, will run in Heat 2B as you see on this lineup with the Budweiser, the Verners, and Pay and Pack has uh, actually not thrown a propeller in ages. This racing team has not seen a a prop uh, shear as this one did on on this boat uh, just moments ago in in many, many months of uh, hydroplane racing over the summer seasons for several years. And that's an unusual thing actually to happen because these uh, shafts, these propellers, are actually much improved over what was run on Lake Washington in the old days, 25 years ago when the Unlimiteds first came here. This could be a good heat ray. The Budweiser, no points at the moment, of course, but they'll get that back together. The Pay and Pack, assuming the patch holds, the Miss U.S., assuming that they can get the remains of one propeller out of the bottom and patch that one up, could be a real barn burner. I would say that Bob uh, Miller and the Miss Verners will have his hands cut off handling these, uh, or have his hands... Uh, full handling these hot dog boats and uh, I don't anticipate that he'll actually run that hot against them
5: We're going to go to Mike Rhodes now in the pits, Mike I have a gentleman standing beside me Bernie, i got to make a confession to you I told the world this morning that sometimes you had a grin on your face that said more than your mouth ever did and you had that grin on your face just before your boat went out this morning and uh, it seemed that Mickey was doing everything you had predicted until that uh, unforeseen happened
8: Yeah, well, uh, we really did feel we had this race uh, pretty well sewed up, and uh, our boat runs real good on this course. Uh, The boys worked their cans off, needless to tell you, to get the boat ready. And uh, uh, we got in, and we only got one run in, and that was to qualify. We could have qualified faster had we had another run, but uh, they felt we were ready to go racing, and so did I. And the front case let go on a blower, and you can see where we was out there. And... uh, Mickey said he had a lot left to go in the Miss Budweiser, so he was just driving as hard as he had to drive to stay in front.
5: Reviewing a little of what you said before, you said that those wide turns would work to your advantage, and sure enough, it appeared that he was picking up maybe a second out of each one of them.
8: Yeah, he was. Uh, he would kind of stroking it down to shoot, and uh, George and the pain pack was coming up on him, and he'd kind of stand on it, drive it smoothly through the turn, and pick up a couple <laughs> boat lengths, and we just kind of felt uh, that this was going to be our boat race, and uh, something happened. Mm. <laughs> You're ready for a lot more racing, though. Oh, yeah, and we put a new engine in, and uh, we've got the Pay Pack in the U.S. in our next heat, and I'm standing here watching the Pay Pack. I guess it's no secret that Dave and I are very good friends, and uh, but when it comes on that race course, all the friendship stops, and we like to go boat racing. Well, if it was a secret, we let it out because we've told it <laughs> before. Uh, they do have this imperial under control now. Oh, right? yeah, the Pay Pack's ready. He'll be out there, and he'll be running like the devil. Uh-huh. I'll tell you this, that I think this next heat coming up here will probably be one of the fastest of the day because the U.S. is out there running awful hard, and between the U.S. paying back and Budweiser, it's going to be a smoker. Thank you very much, Bernie. We're going to be looking for that. Thank you very much. Hey, George.
5: I thought we could get George Henley for just a moment there, but uh, I I, uh, guess he's uh, involved at the moment. So we'll let Rod Belcher uh, elicit a few
1: intelligent comments, Rod. (laughs) <laughs> well, I was going to have Mr. Intelligence out there, Bill Muncy, but he just had to go back to his boat because he has boat racing to do. Incidentally, uh, Bill didn't say anything about uh, untoward water conditions or anything like that, so I really don't think that the drivers, as you will note in the interviews in the pits and elsewhere, have had any uh, big beefs about the uh, rollers or cross-wave action or what have you coming off that north turn combination of uh, partial log boom and the Lake Washington floating bridge. Just looking at the clock, it's still about 24 minutes away from the next racing action, which will have those uh, five boats, as you mentioned, uh, doing the business with each other. And, of course, Bernie was mentioning about the hot dog heat that will be 2B at 2 o'clock. And uh, I don't know. with Lincoln Thrift uh, looked like it's at least a going concern in that it can finish a race, which is a great quality today as things have gone. And with the Wisefields, it'll be pushing the Wisefields, and, of course, the Atlas at least didn't have anything uh, go wrong with it seriously enough to keep it out of the race. But we checked with Muncie just before he left, and he said, well, I'll be out there, but compared to Wisefields, I just cannot run that fast. So he said that consistently, and uh, his engine problems have uh, let him down this year as to competing with the true hot dogs. This uh, race, incidentally, is run for money as well as glory, and the winner will get $6,760. That includes some tow money, and second place goes to $5,040, and it scales on down to a sixth-place cash award of $1,895. That's not a lot of money when you think about the salaries paid to big league athletes, football, basketball, baseball, of the soccer team and what have you, but uh, in hydroplane racing, it's not peanuts, really. There are not tremendously big purses in this sport, and they're glad to get what they, what they do have available. We'll be back with more of the action here on Lake Washington and Seafair 75 in just a moment.
0: David Newton here, listeners. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. Richard Tell Talk is a free podcast that runs off of, well, basically a teacher's salary and contributions from our listeners. If able, please show your support. To make a contribution, please visit our website, avruchateltalk.com, and find the support tab. Thank you. Now let's get back to our program.
7: On the race course, where everything is quiet at this very moment, waiting for the start of 2A, uh, what do you think would be the strategy now, some of the boats that uh, are going to be out there? Obviously, the pay-impact strategy is to get fixed and stay ahead of the Wisefields. The Wisefields' strategy is to hope that the pay-impact doesn't. And uh, if that isn't the case, then the Wisefields' strategy is to hope to put pressure on the pay-impact such that George has to drive in a condition that he might jeopardize that hole again, and if that's the case, might have to break. So I would think that the Wisefields is going to try to run steady, going to try to run hard. If they get behind the uh, pay-impact, they're going to have to try to push the pack, and uh, George uh, is looking to get into the final heat. He'll have a little more time to, to check that situation out if uh, if he does get into the final heat. And, of course, a second-place finish would give that to him. So you might see George go out and try it out at least for one lap and then... Uh, determine that uh, second place is all right, sit back in there and try to conserve the equipment. In the meantime, Billy Shoemaker has a good advantage to go ahead uh, in the national high points by going out and running very hard. He has nothing really to lose and more to gain by doing that, and the boat seems to be quite strong and healthy. So I would think between those two camps, that's the strategy. Lincoln Thrift, on the other hand, would be sitting back as they did in this first uh, heat of racing that that they appeared in, and uh, the Lincoln Thrift strategy would be one to, to hold on to as many points as they can get to get into the final heat and then maybe they'll pull the stoppers out the boat as I said has had directional stability problems all week out here and as a result I think they're going to be conservative about their approach I wonder sometimes Ray if the five boats that didn't qualify had an opportunity to qualify we might have seen some racing like we saw over in the uh, Tri-Cities for example the the uh, Alberto Super Salami for example the Miss Verners put on some terrific racing and it was actually for third, fourth and fifth but it was great racing and really we haven't seen some great racing at the moment I think we're going to go back to the pits now, Mike, uh, to another Mike, Mike Rhodes, and I believe he's got the
5: pay-and-pack driver, George Henley, uh, who might have a comment or two on that gash on the side of his boat. Yes, I do have, George Henley. I'd like to comment first, however, that it's pretty tough to bring a boat in first place, uh, bring in 400 points with a hole in, in one side of the boat and a sponsor damage. George, you've got to find another hobby. Poking holes in boats is expensive. I think you're right.
4: <laughs> How'd you pick that rascal up? Well, we had a little get- together out there before the one minute gun went off, and uh, trying to finagle go into the
5: into the around the buoys for the start. Mm-hmm. The uh, damage seems to be uh, prepared on the whole at least, and they're still working on the sponson. Do you have any misgivings about about it being strong enough from this point on? No, I feel they've uh, the skin just
4: came off a little bit there, and uh, they've been doing a pretty good job putting her back together.
5: We'll see this heat how it holds up. When a thing like this happens, does it alter your strategy at all? For example, I'm sure you're you're aware that across the way here, uh, the Wisefield knows that there's only a 76-point spread, and they're going to be pushing as hard as they can. Will this affect your strategy and the way you have to drive your boat any from this point?
4: Well, all it will do is I just have to keep a good eyeball on it, and if I I get a warning of anything happening, I'm going to have to, I know what to look for, so uh, that would be the only reason that I'd cool it a little bit. We're just going to have to go and try to get as many points
5: as we can, too. It's been my experience that you know when to cool it and when to push it when you have to, so keep it up. <laughs> Thank
3: you, George Henning. Marty, you have something you'd like to say? Yes, Mike. I'm standing in the pits here with uh, driver Milner Irwin of the Lincoln Thrift. And Milner, you've got one of the health, one of the few healthy boats here. What is, what's going to be your strategy?
9: Well, I, we came into the race with the strategy of knowing that we probably couldn't run with the Weissfield or the pack and that uh, we would just kind of run as comfortably as fast as we could without breaking anything and hope to outlast everybody.
3: What do you think right now? You're looking at the U.S. over here on the side of you. They're working frantically. They might not even make it. Do you have a chance? Can you make it? Are you going to be able to hold up?
9: I think we can last. Uh, we haven't had any serious malfunctions, and uh, the boat seems to be running pretty good. I I think we'll uh, if, but don't really try to push it too hard because it's awfully rough out there. Uh, that We can make it through the whole, get into the final heat, and then that's when everything comes, uh, comes down to it, and And we really push it in the final heat. If you get into that final heat, can you run with him then? I doubt if we could run with the Weissfield. We might be able to push him hard enough to make him break, and that's what we'd want to do. Okay, it looks like the strategy
3: here with Milton Irvin is to run them until they break, and you try to hang on in there and be there at the end. Okay, back to you, Mike, with the pit report here.
1: Well, I guess they're coming back to Rod Belcher at Pitt Central. Incidentally, uh, Bill Muncy uh, was a little bit disconsolate when he was with uh, us here when we went back to the official tower and found out that the official confirmation came that it was no points and it did not finish for the Atlas Van Lines. Bill was figuring, well, if they give us a 300 points per second, uh, that puts us in pretty good shape. But without any points at all for Heat 1, why, that, that really makes it tough on the Atlas Van Lines. This is the patch job that's still going on in the pay and pack. Now, remember that this boat ran all five laps with the hole not repaired and did a whale of a job of it, so you would think that the patch job would do just enough to uh, keep it in excellent shape. And since it does not come head-to-head with the Wisefields in 2A, they're separated again, that uh, watched-for and hoped-for matchup cannot possibly come until heat three, the final heat. I guess we should make clear at this point, too, that this is not a fan-plan race. This is a common, ordinary, garden-variety, unlimited race, which means that it's all decided on points. However, there's one little thing that Mike Fitzsimmons was uh, pointing out to us uh, before the race when we all got our heads together, and that is there's no business, in cases of a tie in points at the end of the racing action of the day, uh, of going back to the old tie-breaking formula of uh, elapsed time or average lap speed. This is done in this fashion. If a couple of boats came down with, say, 1,100 points each at the end of heat three. So let's say the Wisefields has a first and the Payen Pack has a first. Now, they come up with uh, the same situation in uh, the next heat. Or they they have a a situation where one has a 100-point lead going into the final heat, and then they switch around. It could happen that these two boats would finish, say, heat three with 1,100 points apiece. Then the tie-breaking action comes simply on which of the boats defeated the other in heat three. That is the tie-breaker in case of a tie between the uh, two leading boats. So that's something to look forward to, just in case the uh, racing action has them in that situation at the end of the day. Well, just checking our clock, we're about uh, eight minutes away from the five-minute gun, and in case you didn't hear the results of the earlier action today, only three boats have managed to finish the 12 half miles of each of the two sections. The three boats that have points are the Lincoln Thrift, which has a 300 points, and, of course, the two winners with 400 each, the Wisefields, and the Pay and Pack. And we'll be back with more of Channel 5's coverage of Seafair 75 on Lake Washington right after this. ...at Lake Washington, the Stan Sayers Pits. And here's our pit reporter on the scene with the work going on in the U.S., Martin Wyatt. Rod, I'm standing here with the crew chief of the Miss U.S.
3: Jim Kirth, and I see that your crew is working frantically. Are you going to make it? That's the first question. We don't know
10: yet. It's it's pretty pretty bad damage, and uh, if it ain't right, we're not going to run. Is that right? You want you want try to get it in? Well, try to get it in. If the boat is right, if everything checks, the propeller shaft we haven't been able to check it because we haven't been able to get to it. But we uh, got we got to roll the engine, make
3: sure it's straight. If it's straight, we go. What do you think? On, on an accident like this, normally, will the engine have suffered any damage?
10: It could have. He revved the engine. It could, could have gone away. The only way we'll find out is when we start it to go out for the heat.
3: How much time do you think now? You're looking at about 40
10: minutes. I think they can make it. i got the best crew in the world.
3: <laughs> okay, Jim. Thank you very much for taking this time out. Martin White here, and I guess we'll go back to Rob, but Jim Kurth is going to get back to work on the U.S. They're going to try to get it together.
1: Yes, and uh, we still are wondering what's going to happen to the other boats of Heat 2A coming up in less than 10 minutes now that did not run earlier. We have uh, the Ham's Bear, for instance, which uh, ran only briefly, and the Vans PX with the rookie driver Jack Schaefer Jr., which sort of conked out just before it got to the starting line, although it was running up to that point. Uh, Are these boats going to be able to be at all competitive or be able to finish around the course and pick up some points uh, with only three boats finishing the first uh, 25 miles of racing action, why, you begin to wonder the ten boat, the nine boat field going into the day was down to just three that have won points today. So uh, we'll see how all these points fall after the completion of t- 2A and 2B. But at least we didn't have the terrible spectacle, and it would have been just that of having the field declared down to only six boats, say, and run all the six boats in a single section of heat too. That didn't happen, thank goodness. In the meantime, uh, in case you're wondering about weather notes, the weather is beautiful, and a little breeze that kicked up right at race time has calmed down, and the water is much more slick now, and it's uh, starting to be of a slickness that the boat drivers don't necessarily like. Uh, the chop is not there. They're just a little bit of uh, tiny wave undulations, and it's 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 very smooth out on the course, and there may be areas of the course where it is less slick than others. Nevertheless, it is uh, a little less than optimum the way most of these drivers like it. The feverish prepa- preparations are still going on. Now, there's the Lincoln Thrift. Now, that's a boat that does have 300 points, and you saw the very blonde Milner Irvin talking with our pit reporters earlier and uh, Milner admits that his strategy is to lie back, not particularly run with the hot one like Wisefield in this heat, but see if he can uh, lie back there and take advantage of a conk out. Now going back to sections A and B of heat one, this happened. The Budweiser went out to an early lead, had strong early foot, as they say in the horse race business, but it wasn't around at the end. In uh, the second section, section B, the Miss U.S. did a tremendous job setting a course record of better than 120 miles an hour for a competitive lap on a two-and-a-half-mile course. Now, that's really impressive, but it wasn't around at the end. After two, lips, two laps, it threw the prop. Okay, that's racing luck, and uh, maybe luck isn't always all, all of it, but there is good fortune to be had out here and bad fortune, and it's happened that way through the years. One of the things that has not happened in this year's race so far is a really bad situation of somebody being injured, and the closest we came to that was in our pre-race report. As you saw, the uh, driver Tom Kaufman of the Mr. Fabricator was burned, was taken to Providence Hospital, and the report was that he's going to be okay and hopefully would be in shape to come back here and watch some of the later race action. I have not heard more on that. But that was in a uh, pre-race test session this morning which there was some question about would there going, were there going to be some further qualifiers of the five boats that were available and on the beach well, they're still on the beach none qualified, none ran at 100 miles an hour, so they didn't get in the race, so that settled all the controversy right then and there okay, there you see uh, one of the boats uh, that's the good old U-74 and that's the hot one going out, the Wise Fields with Bill Shoemaker And you know, one of the things there, I don't think it makes a lot of difference, but uh, Mike Rhodes jumps back and forth between calling him Schumacher and Shoemaker. Bill actually prefers Shoemaker, but he's not going to get sore at anybody that calls him Schumacher. Good old uh, Germanic pronunciation would be Schumacher, of course, but he prefers the Americanization of Shoemaker. Either way, he's one heck of a driver, as everybody out here knows. Now, there's the question mark. They still have roughly a half hour to get ready for the two o'clock race, which would be two B. Since we're we just at the five-minute gun, we should be right now. I think it's time for me to return it back to Ray McMackin and Mike Fitzsimmons on the official tower.
7: Thank you, Rod. And as you see, we've got a four and a half minutes before the start of heat two A. Between the Lincoln, the Atlas. Ham's Bear, Wisefield's Vans PX. And we'll be back after this timeout. Nice. The Ham's Bear, the Wisefield, and the Vans PX. The Vans PX, as you see in your picture, the U80, is on the trailer. She will not start this heat. So her racing is, well, it's over for the day. The clock is ticking down. Three minutes to go. The start of Heat 2A. The boats that are out on the course are the one you're looking at, the Atlas Van Lines, Bill Muncie, the chauffeur. The Wisefields is out here, and also the Lincoln Thrift is out. I have not, well, I guess the Ham's Bear will not start either, Mike. That's the indication we now have. There you see it. It's on the trailer. Ham's Bear also finished for the day. Okay, so we got a three-boat race for Heat 2A between the Lincoln, the Atlas, and the Wisefields. The Lincoln with 300 points. The Wisefields with 400 points. And I did not finish in Heap 1A for Muncie in the Atlas. I guess you could realistically say this is uh, going to be who finishes second behind the Wisefields, provided the Wisefields holds up. Because uh, the driver of the Lincoln Thrift says he can't, uh, he can't keep up with her, and Muncie has admitted that he just doesn't have the speed. I think you might see, however, Muncie try his luck. Shoemaker might want to hold back and conserve equipment. Mm-hmm. Muncie, on the other hand, has nothing to lose to push Billy Shoemaker, and he just might do that. The end result being that uh, he might be able to pick himself up 400 points, and, of course, if he made Shoemaker blow, it could change the entire complexion of this race. But Muncy will not be denied 400 points if he can get the opportunity to get them. He has nothing to lose with respect to, uh, to blowing. If he can pick up 400 points, he can, might, might be able to make a uh, final heat berth, so he's got a few things to gain least I would think he would be game enough to make it a, uh, make a try of it. We shall see. All the boats are down around the south turn now, sort of jockeying around for position. Muncie's on the infield. Uh, the Fields is just beginning to come up the back stretch, just accelerating ever so slightly under the hovering Coast Guard helicopter. And uh, on the infield is Muncie, and he's hit the accelerator. He's got the inside lane coming up, and on the outside of him is the Lincoln Thrift, the big lemon yellow boat. So, uh, For color identifications, Muncie is the white boat with the blue trim. The lemon yellow boat is the Lincoln thrift, and on the outside of the Wisefield is the red, as you hear, the one-minute gun. They are in the back stretch, jockeying for position. We have a three-boat race, as I say. Now slowing down, the Lincoln Thrift going into the north turn. Maybe too much so as the Wisefield on the outside is start, starting to accelerate. Muncie is uh, just cruising along back there. The Wisefield has hit it and is on the extreme outside as they head into the north turn. Actually, Ray, everybody is slowing down on purpose. I don't think that the Lincoln Thrift is going dead in the water. They're all quite early. They're still 31 seconds on the clock. They're all in deep in the corner now, and that's uh, a little too early. The Wisefield actually going to go real wide try to give herself some more ground to run at the starting line because they're all quite early in that area of the turn. So it will be uh, not a screaming start but certainly for people who have watched over the years the days of the flying under the bridge start of the old slow-mos was one of the highlights of hydroplane racing. They just don't do that anymore. All right Here they come. On the inside is the Lincoln Thrift. Atlas is in the middle. Wisefield's on the outside. A legal start. South turn, just as they cross the start line on the inside the Lincoln Thrift, Muncie in lane two, swinging wide on the outside as the Wisefields. So the Wisefields, closing ground, is in second place on the extreme outside, Lincoln Thrift on the inside, coming around the marker buoy for the exit to the lap one of the South turn. Muncie in the Atlas is now dropping off to third place. The boat race you see is between the Lincoln Thrift on the inside and the Wisefields on the outside. Now the Wisefields is starting to open ever so slightly, ground on the outside of the Lincoln Thrift, but she is holding her own, Mike, on the inside. Yeah, now notice the boat does get loose, the Lincoln Thrift does get loose, and that's lost a little ground to the Wisefields. And Muncie has got way, way back in the Atlas, so slamming into the north turn. It's on the inside, the Lincoln Thrift having stabilizing problems, wobbling all over the place as the Wisefield opens up a lead on the turn, on the outside. Billy Shoemaker has the lead as he comes around and heads down for the completion of lap one of this Heat 2A. So your leader on the outside is the Wisefields. On the inside, the Lincoln Thrift. Billy Shoemaker of the Weisfields has the lead. Wisefield, Lincoln Thrift, and Atlas. They're all running. I'm a little surprised, Ray, that the Lincoln Thrift has decided to stay up with the Wisefields so heavily as she is. Uh, he has uh, problems handling, as you mentioned, and uh, he would practically be better off to stay back just a little that uh, first lap speed, 116.883 for the Weisfields, and Lincoln's still staying right on it. Now the Lincoln is closing ground on the inside. The Lincoln Thrift is closing ground on the inside of the Weisfields. We got a real one-two boat race. The Wisefield stretches out now, no more than a boat length between the number one and the number two boat. On the inside, the lemon yellow Lincoln Thrift is making a boat race out of this heat two A. in fact, the first boat race of the day. Can she hold together? That's the question again the boat getting very loose this has been their problem all year and it loses him time in these corners Ray now the Weisfields as Mike points out takes the uh, lead on the turn so she's making uh, time up on the turn but on the back stretch at least going up the uh, back stretch of the uh, second lap the Lincoln Thrift did close ground considerably so the Lincoln Thrift swings on the inside and now she's taking the lead the Lincoln Thrift is now leading Wisefields has dropped off Weisfields has dropped off. Lincoln Trift has opened a commanding lead over the Weisfields at the completion of lap two. Milner Irvin puts some pressure on and uh, looks like the Weisfields succumbed a little bit. Uh, she very definitely lost power at the start line. What about this? What does this tell the crew of the Pan Pack? Get your boat ready. You could go into that final one if you win the second one with a 100 point lead. Because we've got a 300-pointer taking the lead now, and the Weisfields has dropped back to second place. She's got 400 points so far. The Lincoln Thrift is opening up almost two buoy links lead over the Weisfields, and the Wy- the Lincoln Thrift is really flying. Milder Urban uses the uh, applies a strategy he makes public, and that is what he's done: keep the pressure on them and. Make them give you a break, which they have done. the Wisefields definitely is not running right. She just hasn't got the same power. In fact, Bill Muncy, the number three boat, is creeping up ever so slightly on the Wisefields. And there's your leader coming out of the north turn for this lap three. There's the number two boat still in the north turn, Wisefields. There's your leader. The Lincoln Thrift is the leader and considerably stretching that lead. I think Billy Shoemaker is having some kind of mechanical problem and will probably attempt at least to stay ahead of Bill Muncy and pick up 300 points. He at least does not appear to be making any pressure uh, for the Lincoln Thrift now, who's backed off the throttle just a bit. We've got a time of 115.830.115, almost 116 miles per hour average on lap three for your leader, the Lincoln Thrift. Which is going up the back stretch now and still in the south turn is the Wisefields. And it looks like Muncie is going to hit the accelerator and try to chase the second place boat because Bill is closing ground. There's the third place boat, there's the first place boat. And he's just cruising along now, stabilizer troubles and all. He's got the lead. Notice how this boat, while we got a second to watch, it seems to jump and the transom wants to come around to the right. That's the rear end of the boat. Seems to want to shift to the right real quick. That's the reason for that twin tail assembly that they have put on this boat this past week. Well, he said he couldn't run with the Wisefields. Well, he's proving that he can do better than that because there's a second-place boat still in the north turn and crossing the finish line for lap four is the leader of the Wisefields. One more lap, and she'll pick up 400 points and be the leader for the day so far. Slamming into the south turn, a comfortable ride now, as Milner has the lead. This guy last year was the rookie driver aboard the Miss Madison, and he has really come of age in the Unlimiteds. Shoemaker is rubbing oil off, I think, off his goggles right now, still having problems. Billy Shoemaker is running very heavy and Atlas Van Lines is going to catch the Wisefields. Here comes Muncy up on the Wisefield. Muncy's got the inside. He's going to to pass the Wisefields going into the south turn. 109 almost 110 miles an hour for the Lincoln Thrift which is entering the north turn and there's the boat race for second place as Muncy does take second place in the south turn. So the Wisefield running very very slow and very sluggish. Wisefield's had something break, very definitely and it seems to be losing more and more ground to Muncie Shoemaker may have a problem even finishing the uh, final lap Very considerable, the rooster tail has dropped off almost entirely on Billy Shoemaker and now the Lincoln Thrift has come out of the exit buoy for the north turn and is going to cross the finish line She can shut the engines off now and coast across for 400 points and there's your winner, the Lincoln Thrift the U55, Milner Irwin the driver These guys are really uh, applying science, Ray. The Lincoln team, Bob Fenler, the owner from Phoenix, Arizona, definitely know they have a problem, and they're actually putting everything together as carefully and cautiously as possible, and it's paying off. The second-place boat, the Atlas Van Lines, is now in the north turn, coming out of the exit buoy for the north turn, and an unofficial time of about 107.399 for the Lincoln Thrift really wasn't pushing that boat there's the second place boat Bill Muncie. Atlas Van Lines he picks up 300 points and the third place boat the Miss Wise Fields which had trouble and we will have to find out exactly what trouble that is she is limping very slowly towards the finish line but she will finish and a very dejected I am sure Billy Shoemaker the Atlas Van Lines All of a sudden we have got a new complexion to the point standings today. The Wisefields, the boat expected to go out and take it all. Finished third and had trouble doing that as the Lincoln Thrift had uh, 700 points. Atlas now 300. Wisefields 625. And we'll be back after this timeout.
11: and when he got sick in the water we'll have a chance running in good shape apparently
1: and having the race all to itself although being pushed by Lincoln Thrift suddenly lost power lost the ability to stay up there with the leaders and wound up with only 225 points that's going to cost them dearly in the National High Point race especially if Pay and Pack can finish with another 400 in the upcoming section of Heat 2 which by the way is just about 20 minutes from now when it's scheduled for racing action so your point totals right up to date. and uh, there by the way, is the 55, the Lincoln Thrift of uh, victorious in spite of Milner Irvin's uh, rather modest appraisal of his own abilities to go fast. And well, let's without further ado, go down to Mike Rhodes in the pits. Here comes Milner Irvin now. Milner, your strategy worked. You like to just keep
5: pressure on and let things happen, don't you?
9: Well, we thought if we could push Weisfield hard enough that he probably would break, and that's, that's what happened. Uh, Unfortunately, I feel sorry for Billy because he's a great driver and got a good boat, but we knew if we could push him hard enough that that's what would happen. When,
5: when he finally broke,
9: where was it? Just up coming out of the turn? Coming or? out of the top turn up there. I uh, saw the smoke come out of the left uh, left exhaust, and I knew that was it.
5: That tells you the story. Just a little glance back, and you know what's happened, huh? Yeah,
9: yeah. Well, unfortunately, this drops him down in the points uh, uh, rating. What does it do for you? Oh, of course, it moves us up. We've got 700 points now, which now, is nice. Now you're in contention, right? we got to watch and see what happens in this next heat, and then we'll know uh, kind of where we stand.
5: Well, you know, we said before you went out, what he'll governor do governor is to, uh, to put on governor enough governor pressure to, to make to anything happen that's liable to, to happen. liable to happen, and sure enough, you did it. Congratulations, Milner.
4: Thank you. He just
5: drove a beautiful race, Milner Irvin, and he's picked up some points, and uh, uh, you see now what happens with racing, because when Wisefield went out, they knew full well that they had to pick up some extra points to keep in contention with Pay and Pack. Now Pay and Pack's crew feels a whole lot better. The Wisefield crew feels a whole lot worse, and uh, uh, this crew feels a whole lot better. What's going to happen in hydroplane
1: racing? Well, you have to wait till the next lap to find out. Rod? Incidentally, we have these point totals among uh, boats that have already finished uh, three, or rather, two sections of racing. Lincoln has 700 points, the Wisefield has 625, and Atlas has 300. Now, Pay and Pack has 400 points, and it is the only boat that is scheduled to run in 2B that has any points at all. So if the Pay and Pack can hang together, of course, number one, it's going to make that final heat. And if it runs uh, as it should run, why it should go in as the leader with 800 points. The question is, is Budweiser in shape to challenge and is Miss U.S. in shape to, number one, run and number two, challenge? In good shape, both Budweiser and Miss U.S. could push the pay and pack and who knows, might push it into the same situation that happened to the Weisfields with Billy Shoemaker. The, uh, you look again to the Wisefields. There's the U-74. And uh, as soon as uh, we're able to get the word on what happened with it, of course, we'll pass it along to you. This, Here's Marty. Okay, we're over here. Uh, Les,
3: I'm with the owner of the Wisefield, a man who's disappointed, who's dejected. Uh, at this time, I know you don't feel good because I know how badly you want to win this race. What, First of all, what's wrong with the boat? Well, it's just an engine problem we've been having the last two weeks, and... Apparently, it just
5: keeps coming back, and we're trying different things, and we don't seem to be able to solve the problem. The boat's super fast when it runs, and poor Bill started off, and he said when he left the dock he had a, a vibration in the engine and just didn't want to
3: step on it hard. We've raised the
5: We're going to certainly try hard, no question about that.
3: Okay, well that's the story here at the Whitesfield camp, with the owner dejected on it this time. We'll see what happens after the final heat, the Whitesfield, and back to you, Rod. Uh
1: and uh, we'll be right back with more of the between races action on lake washington Seafair 75 after this come back to the race course there you see the right up to the minute point standings but don't th- let that mislead you wisefield has had one more heat than the pay and pack so wisefields which we list second at this point does have for the moment the national high point standing but pay and pack as you see with just uh, 200 more points could take the lead. And, of course, a third-place finish would be good for it, 225, and that would put it right back ahead of the Wise Field. Now, look at what the Lincoln Thrift has done. With 700 big points today, the Lincoln Thrift has suddenly pushed itself right up there. Jiminy Christmas, that's a, that's a big leap. And the uh, Miss U.S., of course, and the Budweiser, and the Ham's Bear, and the Atlas are all uh, bringing up the rear, so to speak. I still love uh, Have the fingers crossed for the Miss U.S. Now, remember, we have the Verners scheduled for this heat, and the Verners didn't do anything the first time around. The uh, Budweiser had a very good start and then conked out. The Miss U.S. had a very good start and conked out, and the Pay and Pack is the only boat in this upcoming heat that has points for the day. Here again is Mike Rhodes. Rod, the answer to
5: Miss U.S. is obvious to you right now because hanging over
1: our head is
5: Miss U.S., and standing by me is Jim Kurth, the crew chief. Jim, you guys have been working like a frantic bunch of
10: beavers. Well, we had a lot of help. Uh, Pop Finler of the Lincoln Thrift gave us a big hand, and so did Roland Kryptendorf of the Atlas, but they all pulled together. This is our type of race, and this is why we don't want an automobile race. Well, you started with a propeller that came loose and embedded itself
5: in the hull, didn't you?
10: Right, and put two holes in the hull, one through the bottom and one through the back. So both holes had to be repaired, and then everything had to be checked throughout. We might have an engine problem. We don't know about that yet. He oversped the engine, and when you're at 4,000 and a prop comes off, it could have gone as high as 7. We use a lot of trick stuff inside the motor, and we just don't know what the damage is. And to try and replace the engine would have been impossible in that length of time, wouldn't it? Right, with this other. So we're gambling. mm mm-hmm. But you did replace the shaft, did you? No, the shaft was okay. It wasn't bent. We spun the engine and and eyeballed it, and it's okay. You know, Jim, this
5: is the second example of of the uh, camp helping camp we've seen today that used to make uh, racing so much fun.
10: Right. uh, I've been racing here in Seattle for 15 years, and I like coming here, and the, the crews are just fantastic it was an
5: imposition to, to drag you away I know Jim you can go on over there and get with your boys now okay. thank you very much it's always an imposition to drag a guy out of a, of a situation like that but I'm sure that those of you who view hydroplanes and and uh, who happen to be a US favorite would want to know what happens so we do impose on them once in a while they don't mind I'm sure because they know it's all part of the racing uh, Ray and Mike you got something nice to say out on the barge?
7: Oh Mike we always have nothing, something nice to say out here on the barge we've got met- the best crew and the best cameras and best vantage point to look at the race well anyway we're going to take another look at heat 2A and this is the beginning of it of course uh, on the inside is the lemon yellow Lincoln thrift and on the outside was the Wisefields the Wisefields did jump out to the lead as expected and on the extreme uh, or in the middle there is Muncie Uh, in the inside Lincoln thrift the outside Wisefield Muncie was in third place in the middle of the pack going into the south turn. Ray, Bill Muncy had himself a little water to contend with going into this corner because, as you see, the Wisefields converging in with the Lincoln Thrift as they come across, and all he must do is establish the requisite three boat links, and then he can come across, which he did, and so Muncy had to ride some rough water. The Lincoln Thrift kept the pressure on the Wisefields, just as Milner Urban said he would do. The Lincoln, as you see, running somewhat loose out there, though, managed to maintain the pressure on the Wisefields, and then, all of a sudden, Right down by the start-finish line, the Weisfields began to show some evidence of weakness. when she did, the Lincoln Thrift took immediate advantage of that and shot out into the lead. There you see Lincoln getting a very, very fine corner despite the handling problems the boat has been having. There the Weisfields falters. They have their problem. Lincoln Thrift roars out onto the lead, began to expand that, kept it up. The Weisfields continued with their troubles. Muncie passed him also. And Billy Shoemaker wiping what appears to be possibly oil off his goggles in that stop uh, There's Muncie going by the Wisefields also. That was in the final lap, too, Mike, the south turn of the final lap before Muncie caught the Wisefields. That's right. I would guess Wisefields going 80, 90 miles an hour when Muncie passed him, maybe 90, 100, somewhere in that, just guessing, of course. Right now, the uh, pride of Payimpak has to go out and win a heat because the Wisefields has the National High Point Championship lead, at least at the second, and, uh, in fact... The pay impact, as you look at her here, and George Hinley, is really right now third place in national high point standings because of such a close race. In view of the points that have been scored thus far, the Wisefields has 6,413 points. Lincoln Thrift has moved into second place with 6,301 points. And the pay impact, 6,264. So 400 points in a first place finish in this next heat, of course, could put the pay impact right back up on top. But if she should have some troubles. Well, then the National High Point Championship may, in fact, be at stake right here in this heat. That is the Miss Burners, and that is Mickey Riemann, driver of the uh, Budweiser. Budweiser. Bernie giving him some last-minute instructions, as you can see. These little uh, conferences go on at every race, before every heat, between driver and owner. Usually the crew chief is involved in there also, and Tom Frankhauser, the crew chief of the Budweiser. Uh, Probably had already made his comments. George Henley getting ready to start the ride of Pan Pack. Time ticking down before the start of Heat 2B. The always reliable Rolls-Royce of the pack kicks up right away, and out she comes. So So we we do have four boats, Mike. Uh, There was a question mark about the Verner's, and uh, Fran Guides, our unofficial timer here, put a DNS... I'm going to erase it, Fran. I hope you don't <laughs> mind because the burners is out on the course. So Here is
2: something interesting.
7: The the US Budweiser team. and the burners and the pack in the U.S. Out Excuse the me. Course. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I well, wanted to tell you that the U.S. team has got it together. The boat is in the water. Tom Death is in the cockpit, and she should be checking out on the race course momentarily. There you see the U.S. now pulling away from the finger pier in the pit area. Propeller hopefully repaired. Everything hopefully strong. The shaft straight. All of the worries now behind them. Maybe our attrition rate has uh, disappeared as the weather continues to improve because uh, on the last heat, we had three boats start and all three boats finished. Uh, Not necessarily in the order that was predicted, but uh, they did make it across, as was not the case in heats 1A and 1B, where uh, it looked like we were in for a very long day of uh, very little boat racing. Uh, This could be a matchup between the pack and the bud, because the bud came out screaming in 1A. She took the lead, she had the lead till she ran into trouble, but she has the cornering ability, perhaps the best of any boat out here that we've seen so far today. Do not, of course, cut out the uh, Miss U.S. If she's healthy, as they hope she is going into this, she might make it a three-boat race, and this might be, in fact, uh, leading into that final heat, probably the uh, best heat of racing we might see. The Budweiser's having a little problem running a little bit rich as she tries to get underway there, a little exhaust, now she gets her up on the step. Don't do that, Mickey. You make Bernie really nervous when you do that. So all boats are running. We're waiting for the five-minute gun, and about a minute away from the five-minute gun, oh, say 30 seconds. And uh, we've got the Fan Pack and the Verners and the Miss U.S. up in the north turn. Then down in the south turn, the Budweiser's just cranking up, getting her engines underway. So all boats are running. Four boats standing by for the five-minute gun for Heat 2B. Quickly, the rundown is the silver and red Budweiser U-12, the lemon yellow and uh, green with the little leprechaun picture on the front burners U-64, the pack, which is the U-1, orange and white, and the Miss U-S, which is white with red trim, the U-2. All four boats are on the course as the five-minute gun... You heard in the background just went off, and we'll be back with live action. That's so allowed. The rundown for
4: 2 b We've
7: got three hot dogs and a hamburger. The Budweiser, Miss Verner's, Pay and Pack, the only boy, uh, boat with points, and the Miss U.S. And that's the fact. Certainly the boat to beat, but the question is: Has she patched that big hole in the side of her sponsor sufficiently enough to be a competitive machine? That's the question mark, and she's going to be tested by a couple of real hot dogs in that boat right there. The Budweiser, Bernie Little, the owner, Mickey Raymond, the hot-footed driver, and the Miss U.S. The question mark there, has she got it all put together again? Tom Deeth is, uh, with that thing still flapping around in the cockpit, Mike, I, you'd think after two times out he'd get that thing settled. But I he's got think something flapping around there. Maybe I think it's that that's the strap out. that holds on his deceleration chute, a sort of a half moon uh, parachute. I'll tell you, when that Budweiser goes by, you just might as well quiet down. huh? We got somebody coming to a stop in the back chute off the south uh, corner right now. Looks like the U.S. It is the U.S. Yes. And, oh, no, we've got a fire in the cockpit on this U.S. Can you believe that? Fire, in a, the a fire US, in a cockpit of the Miss U.S. So we won't have a start here unless they can uh, get that boat out of the way. I don't know what it is, but remember it was the U.S.
12: that the was start. allowed
7: to burn to the water line at Sandpoint last year. Not the same hull, certainly, that hull. Yes, same hull. the same hull. So and it same started hull? just like this. Is that right? Can you believe that? Correction. Same hull, same story, 365 days later. Okay. Tom Deeth is not in the cockpit, Ray. At least I hope he's not. I believe he's in the water, but I have not seen flares. All right, that boat is on fire. Uh, Again, (laughs) here we go. How long will it take to get it out? Uh, I do not see Tommy anywhere around the boat at the moment. I have to assume that he has gone into the water. Assistance is on the way over there. I see the Coast Guard Guard, uh, tug with the fire retardant uh, elements is steaming out towards the crippled U.S. The Coast Guard helicopter is in the water, down on water surface now, uh, and uh, I believe that it's right behind there. the area of the U.S. Perhaps Tommy bailed out of the boat. I would hope so. Well, definitely uh, that boat wasn't ready to go. Uh, there was a question mark. She dropped a uh, dropped her wheel, uh, had part of it embedded underneath the, uh, the uh, transom of the boat itself from the uh, previous heat where she did not finish, and they were sending her out there with high hopes and fingers crossed, but it just didn't work out. So the Miss U.S. is dead for the day. Uh, there is the flares players going fired. out, so we've got a our first stoppage of the day, and uh, this is the uh, 2B. We're almost home to the final one before we did run into uh, one of these delays. So we're going to have a delay here while they uh, pick the driver, Tommy Deeth, to out of the water. As you see in the picture, the boat continues to burn, well, uh, let's not have a repeat of last year these guys are around it again there's the done, tug coming into comes. your picture it was steaming out the minute it mm-hmm. saw the flames and it takes a little while to get out there but they're going to start spraying there you go there's the first squirt and they're going to let it have it uh, they've had plenty of practice last year same boat at least they had time watching anyway yeah he's on top of it this time look at that now that's that's what could have happened last year it didn't and uh, the boat was well burned right down to the water line but they're getting the chemical retardant on it and uh, trying to quench that fire and save the the hull of the boat. That is the Miss U.S. The engine has now become involved, the uh, forward portion, and they're now shooting CO2 at that. What would you guess, Mike, uh, when it dropped the wheel uh Everything was still spinning at uh, about 3,700 or 3,800 RPM in that engine with nothing to to spin, so those cylinders must have really corked themselves over. Well, definitely they didn't have time to change the engine. As Jim Kurt, the crew chief, mentioned, he didn't know what kind of damage could have happened to the engine, but there could have been some. Now it's possible that that is exactly what what there was damage to the engine Uh, apparently the shaft was straight because they were able to determine that uh, well enough and the boat seemed to be warming up all right at any rate the helicopter you now notice coming down on the gray uh, helicopter barge in the pit area and probably Rod Belcher has a better look at that than we do
1: Yeah, yeah you're right I have a good look at it from here and uh it's not been made clear to me at this point whether Tom Death is in the copter or not. Do you fellas know on the yeah, we tower? Have, we just had word that he's he okay.
7: Is in. He's okay. That's the word we've got. Okay. He's okay. That, that looks like him right there, doesn't it? Uh, I think that's a Coast Guard uh, chopper pilot there. Yeah, that's a Coast Guard man. Okay, well, the word we have is that he's There's okay. Tom. Yeah. There's Tom. There he comes. Okay, he's okay. He's oh, yeah. Pilot.
1: Well, that's reassuring. Fellas, uh, stay with it.
7: Well, got wet, but uh, it's a warm day, so everything's okay. You know, Ray, only a, a week ago in the Tri-Cities in qualifying for the Gold Cup race, both Roger Deeth, Tom's brother who was out here with the Miss Shenandoah, one of the boats that did not qualify, and Tommy, uh, both had fire problems over there. Roger had a stack fire during qualifying, and I interviewed him on the air, and he said, I, I hope our fires are over with. The Deeths have had their fires, he said. And then shortly after the Gold Cup got over the final heat, Tommy came in with a a small fire aboard the Miss U.S. at that time also. And now we have a scene so repetitive of last year. At least we can say this much. The team got on the fire in a hurry and put it uh, out. They're foaming the boat now, as you saw a moment ago, and Tommy is walking away from this one a little bit uh, uh, different frame of mind, certainly, than he was last year. Well, you're going to have accidents. You're going to have, as was witnessed between the Madison... And the pay-in pack, where the Madison put in a nice little crease about eight inches deep into the, uh, the sponson of the pay-in pack. And, you know, nobody was bad-mouthing each other. They said, well, Henley said, yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, you're going to have fires, as we had fires here, and uh, that's going to happen. And uh, you're going to have a lot of delays, usually, in this type of racing. And This is the first one of the day and probably will not be the last, although we've got our fingers crossed in that department. Uh, so, everything's sort of going... Uh, true to form, but I will say uh, when somebody does something that means an improvement, we've got to pat them on the back, and the crew that put that fire out this year is a vast improvement over last year, and uh, enough said on that subject. What is amazing, though, is that uh, this very same boat one year ago, Lake Washington, off Sand Point, (laughs) fire, that's about the first time that I can recall in the history of this sport that history has repeated itself so accurately 365 days having elapsed between the last time we saw this very similar picture. So we've got peace and calm back on Lake Washington. Uh, It's time for the swimmers to take their inner tubes back off and get in the water and cool off. Uh, Again, we want to point out to you people on the log boom, there's got to be somebody out there with a television set on watching us, hopefully. And uh, please point out to the swimmers out there, stay off the course. Earlier today, we had what could have been an ugly incident between the Budweiser uh, complaining that he almost hit a swimmer. So we're going to go back to Mike Rhodes, who's got a
5: story in the pits. Mike? It's not much of a story except that, as far as I can gather, there is uh, nothing wrong with Tom Deeth. He was in the the ambulance and has just left. We had a couple of comments from some people who met out on the barge with him, and and, uh, there seems to be nothing wrong with him personally. But uh, as uh, is the custom, they have taken him down to the hospital for a checkup. Uh, precautions they never overlook. Well, the predictions are rather the suggestion of the... Uh, oh, we got a peaky here? Hi there. The suggestion of the crew chief that some damage might have been done to that engine internally because, you see, when the propeller let go, the engine ran wild. And if you know anything about airplane engines at all, you know that when they run wild, it puts a tremendous strain on the internal parts, the pistons, the rods, and everything, and the shaft and everything that turns. And so, just true to what he might have projected, it happened, and uh, uh, something let go. But most important of all, the driver, Tom Heath, is all right, but he will undergo a checkup just to be certain that everything is okay. That's all I had to say, but it is pretty important from his standpoint he is okay.
7: That's good, and thanks very much for that report, Mike. And the Miss U.S. has taken on a little weight with the foam and the uh, water that's been poured on it, and it seems to be... Slightly down in the water and profile. Uh, I don't think there's any danger of of them sinking the boat entirely, but it's taken on a little added liquid, uh, more so certainly than it had when it went out onto the race course. I'd like to uh, get a hold of Rod Belcher back uh, in the pit area and find out if he's found out when we're going to restart Heat 2B. Has there been any word on that, uh, Rod? Somebody says out here about a
1: half hour. Well, you just knew that I was thinking along those same lines because I'm always (laughs) conscious of schedule. But uh, no, and I asked our uh, floor director, Tim Abhold, here, and he said he didn't know, but we get the word very quickly here in the Pitts area, and I should think that you people would there on the tower just as well. The, uh, the uh, race people, I suppose, have to determine how soon anybody would be ready to go. Now, the other three boats in it, remember, there are only three left now, the Budweiser, the Verners, and the uh, Pay and Pack, they seem to be running in good shape. Here we're getting uh, our cohort, Bill Muncie in position to get his microphone on, and uh, I don't know if Bill has any late information on that, but in the meantime, that gives him a little bit extra time that he didn't think he was going yeah. to have. It's setting back the whole schedule because the final race, Heat 3, was to be run starting at 3.10 today, and obviously we're going to have a reschedule. Right. Bill, what's, what's the latest you've learned, Bill? Right. Well, I just have to comment that... <laughs>
2: It's beyond coincidence. I just can't imagine a similar thing happening or what it was last year. But let me tell you, last year, the Coast Guard and people responsible for firefighting responded as quickly and as efficiently as they possibly could, in my opinion. And particularly this year, with some of the continued discussion that took place all winter about the incident with the Miss U.S. When it burned, uh, they certainly were quick to move and and move right in and take over that boat. And I'm delighted that, uh, well... The tom wasn't hurt certainly or burned and i'm delighted he jumped into the water and i'm happy he was pulled into the into the race course and the boat of course what the effect of the fire is in the boat remains to be seen we'll have to take a take a look at that but uh, it's just incredible it could happen at the same boat and um, there's a fine boat it set a record here and probably uh, next year will be even stronger it's going to be a formidable formidable threat and an interesting boat to watch so i'm inclined to think okay. that uh, They've cooled a little bit, and I saw Tom to eat He looks good, and he's fine spirits. He's upset, of course, because he wasn't able to run here and maybe win, but, uh, hey, I want to
1: tell you these people responded beautifully to take care of that boat when it was burning. Right. Ray and uh, Mike mentioned as much earlier, Bill, before you got here, as they tow that boat in, the word comes now that the rescheduled time is 2.30, so we're running exactly a half hour behind the original schedule. That gives about uh, 22 minutes for these three boats that remain in it, the Budweiser, the Verner's, and the pay pack to uh, to get ready now, Bill. Just looking at that three boat strategy, you everybody automatically kind of rules the Verner's out of there because you have a hot running boat and the Budweiser and one in the Pay Pack. That that makes it an awful lot easier on the pack. Well, but, indeed, the pressure's off, but. Uh, He's still as
2: interested in maintaining his point position as far as the national championship's concerned. He's not about to do anything to jeopardize that. He's got to run up first to second. Now, I can't imagine he'd be so foolish as to go out and and run so strong that, you know, drive. Driving, there's a lot to driving. And I think the success of one driver as opposed to another is based on the ability of one driver to measure the limits of a piece of racing equipment more accurately than somebody else. And in this particular case, uh, George Henley is superb. He knows the limits of that machine. He'll drive within those limits. He certainly, only if it meant like winning a Gold Cup or winning the race here in in, uh, Seattle, would he maybe, in a final heat, push beyond those limits if he had to. But even he knows that if he has to push beyond those limits, he knows how far he can push it within his own capability and within the equipment's capability. So, uh, he's not going to take any chances on jeopardizing his boat. We've got two races to run yet to to conclude the season in San Diego and Phoenix. He doesn't want to bust anything up, so he's going to maintain his position
1: there and keep himself strategically in in good shape to win this race incidentally as we were just watching the miss u.s uh be towed back in bill muncie i want to get back to uh, section well 2a which you were in a position of biding your time and winding up with 300 big points how did that one work out how, tell us about the how the race developed all well let
2: me tell you i wasn't delighted with our performance we're just not running the fastest i can run now in the straightaways is about 145 and we came out with the starting line and we all smoked into the corner and they just blew right by me. So they had must have had 8 or 10 miles an hour. Uh, there's nothing a chauffeur can do about it. If you've got it all turned on, that's all there is left. And uh, running at 145 to 46 mile an hour limit uh, really, really jeopardized your opportunity to win an, win an event. you got to have 150 to 55, really, uh, to be in contention so that they can't smoke you like that and uh, so that you can't get sucked up rooster tails like I got sucked up. Now, hey, that's my part. That's the way I played the game. And... It's my fault it's not theirs. They were just considerably faster
1: than I am. All right, I, but now halfway through the race, all of a sudden it began to become apparent that uh, Bill Schumacher didn't have it anymore in the, in the Y-speed. Oh, yeah. That you, was, were, you were aware of this. You, That's your life. And, and what did that do to your old uh, adrenaline? Huh? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> because there
2: really wasn't anything I could do except continue to drive uh, the shortest course I possibly could, run the corners tight, and run did the you have, as best I could. Did you have some doubts that you'd be able to catch him? Well, I didn't know how quick he was running or whether he's made... He might have made a decision, you know, in his own mind, say, well, the heck with this, this, this Lincoln thrift's running too quick, I don't want to run with him, I'll cool it. And when, once he gets close, I'll, start, you know, I'll stab it and steer it a little quicker. That isn't really what he did. I guess he was hurting mechanically, and that's a shame because Billy's a tremendous chauffeur, and that boat's an excellent boat, and it's a delight to watch it, even if you have to
1: watch it from where I did, and that's the backside. So you approached and, and passed him, and uh, nothing happened with him, huh? And all no, of a he sudden... didn't
2: have any left. He didn't have anything left to, to throw at me, and I was delighted to see it. And uh, I was really concerned, considering what we had happened to us in the first heat. I ran out of alcohol and uh, had to make a quick switch on the move to, to gasoline primer. Uh, I just wanted to go the distance. That's why we went out to the start uh, late. You know, I didn't leave the pits until about three, min- three and a half minutes to the start, hoping that I'd have another lap left, and okay. I would be on the course maybe a lap less. So it did work out, although we ran out of alcohol coming off the last corner, and I was able to get to the primer, the gasoline primer, and finish it, fortunately.
1: Thanks, Bill. Meanwhile, we have another report from Mike Rhodes.
5: Yeah, the crew chief of the uh, Miss U.S. Jim, you just got back from a kind of an unhappy ride, didn't you? What did you see out on the boat? The cockpit's burned out of it. He was blown completely out of the boat. We got the word that he's all right, though. Nothing wrong with him personally. What about the condition of the boat? Are you finished for the day? It's through. It's through for quite a while probably until we get it repaired again. That much damage. Maybe the next race it'll be ready to go, huh?
10: Well, we're going to try to get it ready for Phoenix. Well, it was a
5: gallant effort.
10: It was a hard job, and it was a,
5: it was a good job that they did on it. Thank you, Jim, very much. And uh, now we'll be able to take a look at the boat. we got to move back a little bit because, unfortunately, we try to do what we need to do, and we get in people's way. So we're going to get out of the way. Here comes the, uh, U- the Miss U.S. now being towed in, and uh, we're going to acquiesce to the commands of the security and move back a little bit. I'll give you as much of a description as I can as she comes in here, because as Jim indicated, it is pretty badly burned, unfortunately. It's sad to see a good effort like that go for nothing, because those crew, that crew plus several other crews worked diligently to get that boat back into the race. As uh, Jim said earlier in our interview, something could have happened in the wild running engine, and uh, that's what happened. The tow now is being taken off. This U.S. is behind, now being obscured by it, as you can probably see from the creepy. Who's who's looking at it now? In any event, as soon as it gets into eye view, I'll tell you what it looks like, but according to Jim, it's definitely through for today, and maybe we'll be ready for the for the uh, next one. Right until I can see a little more, you might as well say something good, huh?
1: Yeah, and Bill Muncy indicates that he's got an observation.
2: Well, I'm just... Uh, I. You know, the U.S. Equipment Company has had boats in racing for some 20-some years. George Simon even drove himself out here in the early 50s. And he was a great chauffeur, and he's had some great teams. He's had some good drivers and some good crews, but he's had an awful lot of bad racing experiences. He's had some winning experiences, but certainly some unfortunate things have happened to him. And it's interesting to me because the Detroit-Seattle, factor, you know, the complication and the, the arguing and the fighting and the strong feeling between the two communities has not really prevailed as strongly in the past five or ten years as it was maybe back in the 50s, but the Detroit boat, uh, this U.S., uh, has got a tremendous number of friends and people who have rooted for it consistently out of Seattle, even though it's a Detroit boat, and I think it's because of George Simon, who's a colorful, exciting guy, and uh, Tom Deeth, who's a tremendous chauffeur. He's new to Unlimiteds, really. He's only been racing a couple of years now, but he's just done beautifully, and he comes from a long line of racing greats. He's got a brother you know who's racing here today, so... I just think it's interesting that we've got so many people, among all of this public enthusiasm, that
1: we're rooting for Detroit boats, and particularly the Miss U.S. I'm awfully sorry that, uh, really, they can't get into the final heat. Bill, I'm getting a word on a commercial, but one thing here, just before we leave this, I seem to remember a fire involving Don Wilson in the U.S., oh, so, you know, 10, 10 years ago. Right, I can't more.
2: remember. I think it was longer than that, yes. I think it was yeah. in about the 60s, uh, early 60s. Early and You're 60s. right, on the back shoot, Donnie Wilson... Uh, had a tremendous explosion in the Miss U.S., and when he went to get out of the boat, his life jacket got caught. The straps got caught in the seat, and he couldn't get out, and he had to sit there and burn until somebody came and got him, and he was in real trouble here for a long time and in our Seattle hospitals, and everybody was most generous and very benevolent
1: and very pleasant, and, and,
2: and Don did survive that incident.
1: Right. All right, we'll be back with more just before we get into the... This is
9: the rerun, or actually
1: it didn't get run at all. It's the rescheduling of heat 2B, and I said 2A when we left to go to that commercial break. But here are the boats now with the Miss U.S. not in the race. The Budweiser and the Miss Verners each with zero points, and the Pay and Pack with a big 400 and sitting in the catbird seat, as Red Barber used to say many years ago, in a mighty good position but uh, still knowing that he can't do anything foolish and blow his boat and uh, get a DNF himself with the big zero points. Uh, well, we have a, just a little bit of an opportunity. Bill Muncie has another interesting point to make. Bill? Well, I want to make the point, and I hope that maybe we can reference this, uh,
2: to Mike and Ray down there, particularly for use in the final heat, and we can certainly use it now, that in my starting procedure, going to the starting line, if you remember, we've had a couple of, well jump gun jumping incident certainly and some of the fellows have been a little off the gun. This is the first time they've ever run this race course and maybe it isn't they're not feeling it exactly as they should. Just for reference purposes and for the king audiences specifically, uh, I just want to point out that going in to the turn near the floating bridge, if you hit that entrance pin there during the warm-up period, when the gun is or when the clock is turning black, if you're at that entrance pin about in here at about 35 seconds to the start and if you'll go in there at 100 miles an hour in about the eight lane and make a nice lazy radius turn and stay about the eight lanes away from the corner and then begin to accelerate and hit come up this way you'll hit the starting line dead nuts at about 148 miles an hour so it's an interesting thing to watch and that's the way i've been using it Uh, it's a new race course for everybody it's new one for me certainly and uh, that's an excellent way, I think, to get to that starting line. Now, if you get caught in traffic, you're in trouble. You know, you've got to change your procedure quick. Well, you know that if somebody's jumped in front of you, then i got to back off, let them go by. That means it's about a second and a half it took me to do that. Then I'll go a little, you know, I'll go a little faster if I've had to slow down. On the other hand, if I had a good shot at it, maybe I've gone up through the spade, speed range a little quicker than I thought I would, accelerating faster than I thought I would, moving at a faster rate of speed to that corner. Then I'll just go a little wider and take up more time until you get here at the exit pin. Then, then you're committed. Once you establish a lane and go to the starting line, you can't deviate. You've got to stay in a straight line at 90 degrees right to the starting line. And as I say, if you're going this corner about the 8, 7 or 8 lane at about 100, or well, maybe 105 miles an hour, stay out there wide and come down here and begin to accelerate as fast as possible can. you'll hit the line dead nuts at about eight miles an hour. Bill Muncie? Yes, yeah. yeah, sir. This is Mike Fitzsimmons up on the barge. I remember
4: you. Yes, sir.
7: That point is well taken. In fact, we were noticing on our stopwatches up here that some of the drivers were actually into the apex of that corner with some 50 seconds remaining on the clock. So actually, do you think it's a problem that they're, that they're not quite reading this race course, these wide corners, right,
2: to set up for the starts? I think that might be. I'll tell you, uh, we all, of course, went out during the qualifying time, and we all take a look at the race course and measure it and read it as accurately as we can, and there, I haven't noticed any changes in it. From my starting procedure point of view, uh, the other guys, we all, you know, you can't really, like, years and years and years ago, the slow-mo's come under the bridge, and the way they did that was they found a red house up on the beach, and they started that red house at about 80 miles an hour, and they'd come smoking down the front chute and be hitting 160 at the starting line. Well, that's great, unless you get caught in traffic. Now, if you're getting caught in traffic, man, you're in trouble, because you're going to be a- a second or however long it takes you to move that traffic around, you're going to be that many seconds late to the start. So I try to use, use a little buffer, and I give myself a couple of seconds, and uh, keep, you know, keep track of my boat, what my engine speed is and what my boat speed is, and all these things, and then take into consideration the balance of the traffic that's there. And I've just found out, that, and I don't want you to go telling everyone, don't broadcast this to everybody that's going to be in that final heat, <laughs> particularly if I'm in it. But anyway, about 35 seconds going into that corner, about 100 mile an hour, Go on through. Just stay out of trouble if you can. Uh, if not, uh, you know, you're know you going to have to go a little quicker. But try and hit here, uh, beginning to accelerate quickly, and you should hit right at about uh, 148 miles an hour, which would be a good a good shot if you can pull it off.
7: Now, Bill, some of these drivers have actually gone uh, into the little uh, bay that opens up around the old Mount Baker hydroplane pits from years back and are actually
8: having to come back out into the lane of travel to, uh, to make their starts. In fact, really shoemaker this last heat that he was in uh chose to go way up by the bridge and make a very wide
7: sweeping
2: turn i know he realized he was early yeah i was delighted he was there <laughs> strategically uh if you can run with these hot dogs and right now i'm in to you know i don't have the top speed to stay with them but if you've got the top speed uh, somewhere near equivalent uh, they can even be maybe a couple of miles an hour faster than you If you've got that kind of speed and they're moving out there, then you really have control of them uh, as you move to the line, because you're committed once you go by the exit pin to a 90-degree shot to the starting line. You're not allowed to move. He has to stay in his lane. If you've got a good start, you're right with him at the starting line, and you can smoke right down into the first corner. He can't move, even though maybe he's got a couple of mile an hour, and he's not going to pull three or four lengths, which he has to do to to move into that corner first. So I was delighted to see him move that way. On the other hand, knowing Shoemaker, he probably had something else in mind, and he was going to... Stuff it under my arm. One last thing bill
7: uh, at the start particularly pertinent to the final uh, heat when there probably will be more boats coming down the start line than in previous heats assuming everybody stays running. Uh, do you from a driving standpoint think that the start finish line gets a little bit narrow here
2: between the end of the dock out in front of the official tower here and the start line stripe buoy? I don't think so I'm delighted with it. I think the starting procedure and the starting area is beautiful. And it gives you a chance to really uh, get all the boats pulled in together. They're pretty tight and really smoke at the starting line. The only thing that's interesting, you do have, as you mentioned, uh, an appendage, a piece of land that's sticking out by the bridge there where Billy got sort of sucked over into that area. I think it's hard to read as you move into the corner because it does jet out a long way. And you can come over there and say, uh-oh, you know, I'm just too quick. i got to slow down. And that could cost you a second or two seconds to move. Then and then you've got to move yourself into a good strategic But It's just hard. You could lose your control of traffic because of that piece of land that's coming up.
7: One last question, Bill. Does it remind you of 1955 to go smoking by the
4: old Mount Lake Pits in the corner?
2: Hey, I enjoy racing in a bigger pit area. I think it's like yours before more people can identify more accurately with our sport and I hope they're down there. I hope they're enjoying it more and I, that's all we're here to do is just to give them the very best racing we can give them. But
7: we'll keep an eye on the points that you did make uh, about the, that turn and getting into the start, Bill.
2: Okay, thank you.
7: On the race course and running at the present time, getting ready for the, well, actually it'll be the start of Heat 2B, because we never really got underway. At about 2 minutes, 19 seconds before the start of Heat 2B, the original running of it, the Miss U.S. caught fire, and Tom Death had to bail out over the side. On the race course and running now is the Miss Verners that you see in your screen. The Pride of Pay and Pack, way down in the distance, coming off the north corner, and coming by us right now, and in the back shoot, Miss Budweiser. Those are the three boats that are scheduled to check in for this one. The Miss U.S.,
8: of course, Ray, is out of it. Well, hopefully to be, at least the rerun will not be a repeat of what we had a,
7: a half hour ago. Ray, one thing I might mention is that we were talking about this possibly being a Rolls-Royce race course. Well, we now have a heat entirely comprised of Rolls-Royce engines. One of them, given the... Uh, the uh, deference that's necessary for something of of a little more age, that's being the Miss Verners. Certainly we have the the stage setting. Here it comes again. Nobody, nobody but nobody can talk over that Budweiser. At any rate, we have the stage setting. Why is it that the Budweiser is the loudest boat I have ever heard in my life? Well, because they don't want to be outdone in any respect. I guess so. <laughs> at any rate, what I was getting at is that the Budweiser but, but, and the pay pack may set up into one of those head-to-head duels that we've seen so many times. Well, now that we have a chance to talk with the Budweiser's
13: on the backstretch, we get the signal to go to commercials, so <laughs> we'll be back. The with- Budweiser yeah. going into the south during the
14: Friday pack is up in the north turn, tooling around, as
7: you uh, see, we're coming down to about three minutes to go for the start of Heat 2B. We were talking about things repeating themselves. We had the fire aboard the U.S., which was repetitive of last year. And this, of course, a repeat of last year, the classic battles between the Pride of Pay and Pack and the Budweiser. These two boats have staged many a war upon Lake Washington over the years. And here we go again. This one uh, will be really, for all practical purposes, a two-boat race between the Bud and the Pack. The Burners is just another factor out there. She did not finish in the uh, first time out and she certainly hasn't got the equipment to keep up with these boats. However, if anything can happen, it's been pointed out all day long, and the Verners' could very well be the first place to boat when it's all over. But realistically speaking, and uh, putting all the facts and figures down on a piece of paper, try to pay it back its favored, of course. Uh, the Budweiser will give her a chase, could, could pull it off because of her turning ability, and the Verners will be another, just a factor out there to fill out the field of just three boats, the Miss U.S. on the beach done for the day. Ray, who can forget the great battle between the Pack and the Budweiser in nineteen seventy-three, and quarter-mile visibility and the pouring rain? We stood out here,
13: soaked to the bone, and saw the greatest heat of racing ever. Of course, uh, yeah, that there, yeah. That that noise you heard was the uh, the Budweiser. Uh, you just you have to concede the point that. Boat. Yeah, she takes it all. Which is
7: only fair. It's the boats. Now that's that it's important, certainly. 142, 141, the clock clicking down. Budweiser down around the uh, south
13: turn with the Verners, the Verner a rooster tail, just sort of tooling around. The pack is up in the north end, just getting the, uh, the cobwebs out of those, the cylinders.
7: We uh, might note inside the one-minute gun ray, uh, which is coming up in about 20 seconds, uh, just what Bill Muncie was mentioning there in our little discussion a minute ago.
13: About the position of these boats where they are inside the one minute gun. As we mentioned before, some of them were in the apex of the north corner with 50 seconds left to go. Of course, they don't run a bit of space in a period of time. That's what has been the major cause of the gun jumping that we have have experienced. so we'll get into that now. You got the one minute gun. And the Budweiser is just beginning to enter the north turn on the extreme outside. The pack has swung into the infield. She will have the inside. Both boats very cozy, very slow. They're cruising up into the apex of the north turn, up by the old Lake Washington floating bridge, which, despite all the cement that Bill Muncie says has been poured into it, is still floating at this hour. The Verners is back with the pack, very slow. In fact, now, I think this is uh, the strategy of the Budweiser is. Uh,
7: well, more sensible right here than the, those two boats. I think they're going to be too far back. They're only 20 seconds
13: and they're not even to the uh, accelerating point of the north turn. They may be practicing just the opposite of what Muncy said now, now they're at the apex at 14 seconds. The Worcester tail you see on the extreme left-hand side of your picture is the Budweiser. She has swung really wide and these boats will have no trouble uh, with the start here. They're going to make it comfortably. salesman from Eatonville George Henley had the inside he took the lead and he's got the lead going into the south turn and the number two boat is the Budweiser she was extremely well out Mike I'd say a little too far out really for a a decent start she was actually late at the starting line by a couple three seconds but she's now making up some distance on the paying back as you can see and we might have that deal yet Uh, you you can hear the crowd behind us come, come to their feet and a few cheers here and there because the Budweiser is stepping on it and closing ground on the pack and the verters certainly no factor is just coming out of the south turn so to pay it back going into the buoy the green and yellow buoy that marks the entrance to the north turn of this lap one the pay pack, where Henley at the wheel has got the lead. And now the cornering ability, the cornering ability of the Budweiser is a factor as she closes ground. And Mickey Raymond is closing into the booster tail of the Bride of Pay Pack. Pay and Pack is on the inside, the Budweiser on the outside, slamming out of the exit buoy of the north turn, coming towards the start finish line. The Pride of Pay Pack has the lead. Paying Pack Budweiser, we do not have a time as of right this second, but we'll have one in a minute. Looks like about 117 miles per hour on both boats about the same time, 116 plus. You have to know that George Henley is thinking about that hole and that spots and it's now patched up and holding that thing together is a very critical factor right now. Uh, we got a boat race because the Pan Pack, as you hear the burners go in front of us for the completion of its first lap, the Paying Pack, and in its rooster tail, Here's the Budweiser. It has a better shot of it as the Bud. It's closing ground on the outside of the pack. It's a one-two race, a one-two race. The Bud on the outside, the pack on the inside. And those two boats are screaming. Look at the Bud closing ground on the outside. Going into the North and The Bud on the outside, the pack on the inside. Again, remember that lane advantage is the Payon packs He has the inside the shorter distance around. Now it's the shorter distance version, of the turning ability, and the crowd on the beach has come to its feet. Certainly, they're rooting for the Budweiser. At least the folks on this side of the beach are really rooting for that underdog. As the pack has the lead, coming out of the right turn of lap two, Bud is out of it, Ray. Bud is out of it. The Bud dropped off. The Bud dropped off. <laughs> she gave it a gallon effort. She gave it again. We're proud to
7: be pack, and we'll be back with more live coverage after this timeout.
1: The Pay and Pack has the national lead and almost in a way, although not necessarily, a lock on this race championship today. And Marty Wyatt is there at the Pack Pier. Yes, Rod, I'm standing here beside the Pay and Pack.
3: The crew, naturally, uh, being the defending champion, as I said earlier, they they have been confident all day. So they are not uh, doing any jumping up and down. They really feel that they have this thing locked up. I'm going to talk with George Henley. He'll be coming down. The the finger pier in just a few seconds. They're going to ask him if they're going to sandbag it in that final heat to find out what their strategy or what he thinks their strategy is going to be. Dave Harnsberger, the uh, owner, was just here a few minutes ago. He said that they're not going to push it too hard in that final heat. They want to win this re- race to make it two in a row in Seattle. So uh, Henley's talking with the owner right now. They're pretty well got this race looking pretty good. 800 points. He'll be coming down the way. They're shaking hands. He's taken off his life preserver, and the boat, I don't know how it's handled. He was talking with the crew chief, Jim Lasario. As soon as he got back, they were asking to find out how the boat was handling, how it was running, because they're going to be in that final heat with the Wyatts which might be the the biggest heat of the day. But they look like winners here. They are winners here, defending national champions two years in a row. So here comes the uh, driver, George Henley, right now, and he's starting to walk down the Finger Pier. And we're going to have some words with him because I know okay, he's feeling back. pretty good. Get back. Get back. And we've got Get the, the security chiefs doing their job, getting everybody back. Back, 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 back. Right, Ray? Okay, it'll just be a couple of minutes. They're lifting boat up on the water. The, the place where the, the hole was ripped in the hull looks real good. In fact, I can see from this level that uh, they got some tape on it, by the way. But that tape has come up off just a little bit. But as far as any damage, there's no damage on it at all. Here's George coming up the way right now. We're going to ask him a few questions right here. George, how do you feel? That was quite a race. Well, it looked like we were going to have one, and then I lost him. <laughs> Would the bud really push you out there? Yeah,
4: he was pushing, and I expected it. And, uh, gee, you well, what, too bad he had to give up. How did the boat handle? Boats good. You're going to be able to go all the way in the final heat? Yeah, we're going to change the engines because... Last heat's gonna be a doozy, I think. George, you're gonna drive boat hard to its uh, limit out there? Not this time, but we, we uh, won't do that until we have to.
3: You got the, the the race wrapped up, really. You just about have to finish. Are you gonna go hard in this final? Well, we're
15: gonna go running. and we gotta go. We gotta run, you know. Let's any have one smile for George. Yeah. Yeah.
3: George.
15: <laughs> George, was there any problem handling the boat as far as no. the repair work went? No,
4: that was a good job. We didn't even get no water out of the sponsors. They've they done a good job on it.
1: Budweiser, were you at all in that race?
4: Uh, yeah, he does. And, uh, um I kinda thought we were gonna go at her again like we did last year. And we did for a while, but uh evidently he broke something.
3: It looks like money in the bank for you. Well it ain't over yet.
4: It ain't <laughs> over yet.
3: And I don't say nothing until we're done. <laughs> okay. Thank the
1: you, the peer here, with
3: right George ahead. Henley, he says it's not over yet, but I think he's pretty confident he's got money in the bank. Back to you, Rock.
1: Well, the only thing is, Marty, don't jump to conclusions quite so soon. Bill Muncy and I have been chatting here, and Bill says uh, he thinks the point total is, is not that uh, I gotta well, say not as conclusive. He can't uh, quite sandbag it, can no, he? No, he certainly can't
2: sandbag it. If you take a look at the whole total, the, the, the complete total has the Pay and Pack with 800, the Lincoln Thrift with 7, the Weisfield with 625. Now, the Alice Van Lines and the Werners aren't really in contention here. But the Pay Pack. I'm not suggesting that he's not capable of blowing the doors off everybody in racing today. But if he should go out and cool it, as somebody has suggested, and run third, then he would end up with 225 points for his third, or a 1025-point total. Mm-hmm. If Weisfield should win, he'd have 1025 mm-hmm. points, and they'd be tied. But Weisfield would be the winner of the race because he won the final heat. Right, finished On the other hand, if he goes out and he runs second to the Lincoln Thrift, then there's going to be a tie, and of course the Lincoln Thrift would be the winner of the race because he won the final heat. Uh, hey, he can't cool it. He's got to be, beat the Lincoln Drift and the Wisefield. Now, you know, I can't think of it. He has to win that, eight, that race. He's got to win this final heat to win this race. Well, one of these other boats certainly are... are let's see, he could run uh, second behind... Um, no, he's still... No, what, what you're saying is... Yeah, he's got
1: to win. As, as long as the Lincoln and the Wisefield continue to run and finish the race, he better beat them. He has to win. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he has to win. If he runs second to either one of... No, if he runs second to the Wisefield, he'd still beat him. But if he run third to the Weisfield, behind the Lincoln thrift, he would lose. So, uh, hey, you can't deny the way the point that up. He's, uh, you know, they're not going to that brand new engine just for the just for fun and games. They know darn well that the way the point total is, they've got to run in this final heat and run strong. Maybe, I don't know, we're going to a little, uh, little hot stuff for the final heat. We're not in contention, but if we mix anybody up up in there, if we're running second or third or anywhere in there we're going to mess the point
1: total up completely so, so it'll be a fun final strong heat you know uh, lincoln thrift and milner Irvin. maybe he's just building up that old confidence now after that last race he had today and he's right up there in the national high point honors
2: he's, he's within
1: uh, reaching distance he's in
2: great shape and probably uh well there it isn't that they're not cognizant of this they need the win they mm-hmm. want to go for the victory there's no question he can go out and you can say park and maybe run second or third and pick up points towards the National High Point Championship. That team's a competitive team, and they want to win races if they can. They haven't had a victory this year. They've been in a position uh, a number of times uh, across the Tour, uh, beginning back in May, uh, where they might have been able to win, and they just weren't able to put a win together. So I'm just inclined to think that uh, it's going to be a good, strong, interesting final heat. There's Budweiser. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I'm not here second-guessing uh, Mickey Reeman or that Budweiser crew. They're just superb. Uh, certainly represent the best... Uh, some of the best that we've ever had in the history of racing. Uh, he could have lost maybe a case, a blower case. Uh, he could have even lost a propeller, although he isn't sinking. It, uh, it's hard to tell, and I'm not going to second-guess that. But there's a good, strong, fast, quick machine that can go out and run as you know laps as quick as anybody in racing. Considering the fact that they had the difficulty they did when they uh, yeah, ran well, in the Gold Cup, uh, to glue that sled together that quickly and get it here for this
1: race is, in, in my opinion, a phenomenal
9: phenomenal effort.
1: And it is a shame that after two heats of racing they wind up with the old zero points which means they're not going to be racing anymore today. Well, uh, according to the original schedule which was a half hour late, remember, for the restart of uh, 2B, that means that unless they've had a change that I don't know about, that our next racing action is at 3.40 because the original schedule was 3.10 and we're going on that assumption until somebody tells us something different that the Heat 3 which determines the championship, will come along at 3.40. So we have, uh, all the better part of an hour before we get uh, something going. Bill, what do you have to do between now and racing time? Well, I said three Hail Marys, and I
2: looked east, and I've done some other things. I got a wind dance going over there. There's no way that we could possibly win this boat race. We could go out, and if we were running a little stronger, maybe muddy up the water for some of the boats who are in contention and, you know, represent possible winners. And I think that under some circumstances, our boat is getting maybe a little better. Uh, The problem with the Alice Van Lines at this particular race, and it's an incredible thing, because we haven't bumped into it any other place around the country, is that I'm going through almost 100 gallons of alcohol per per heat. I'm not here to try to explain that to you. I'm just telling you that I'm doing it. Uh, We're also either tossing overboard or stuffing into our collector 25 gallons of oil. It's gotta go someplace. And the end result is that I'm running out of gas virtually, although it's alcohol that we burn. And I end up having to use what we call our priming system because we've got a little couple of gallons of gasoline in there, I use that to get me to the finish line. And I've done it both heats now, and it's been an unfortunate thing because if we hadn't had that happen to us in the first heat, certainly we would have been in a good strategic position now because we would have won the heat that had given us 700 points. And we're going to go a little pop, what we call hot stuff. And uh, we used it over in, uh, in during the Gold Cup at Pasco, and we put it in there, and it did make it go considerably quicker, but it broke a lot faster too. Okay, Mike Rhodes, our pit reporter with the Budweiser, is ready.
5: Yes, I am with uh, Bernie Little. Now, Bernie, this is... Before we go into the troubles, that was an excellent race as long as it was able to go, wasn't it?
8: Yeah, but it didn't last very long, Mike.
5: Was was that the the same trouble uh, as before?
8: No, it wasn't. He threw a blade off, a brand new propeller. We just uh, it before he went in and everything, and it was brand new for this race. And, uh, I don't know, I thought everything had happened to me in Tri-City when we sank it, but, uh, that was one thing we missed we didn't throw a blade and uh, we did just what the u.s did the blade went off and i don't uh, uh, it's impossible but it's one of those things that happens
5: zyglo is that your
8: x-ray process yeah same x same uh, process as x-ray and uh, didn't show any cracks anything it was fine and mickey said they wasn't running that hard he was just gonna pull up along with him and try to get him on the final lap and uh, He said it was vibrating. The steering wheel got about four times the size, and it was shaking so bad he had to shut it off.
5: Is that kind of thing possible for hitting a little piece of wood or
8: anything like that? Oh, sure, but uh, I don't think that that would... I I think, you know, they... Fracture, maybe. Just a fracture or a hairline or something in there that causes it. uh, But we're hoping we can get to Miss Budweiser in the final. I've been told that uh, there isn't uh, more than six boats that's able to run. If that's possible, well, we'll put another propeller on and go out and see if we can win the final. Bernie, well,
1: that, the Bud is six years old. Now, that has a lot to do
8: with it. No, you're 100% wrong. It has nothing to do with it whatsoever. The Budweiser is not six years old. How old is I've it? I've heard that story, and I'm tired of hearing it. The Budweiser is new every two years. The only thing on there that's six years old is the colling. Everything else in that boat is replaced. We start on one, the top side one year, Sponson's and bottom the next year. So there's nothing on that boat that is six years old. we got to get rid of that gray-headed colling, though, Bernie. Listen, <laughs> putting,
5: putting that screw on will be no problem,
8: though, will well, it? Well... We're, uh, we're most anxious to build a new boat. Our boat is about 1,200 pounds heavier than any boat out here, but uh, it, that has some advantages also. And uh, uh, we just had a, a little string of bad luck, but the Budweiser will be back there and run in front.
5: I think one thing has been proven, though, your, your strategy for, for this uh, new course that we're calling it was a good one, and it works when, he's, when he has the power on him.
8: Well, it does. Uh, I feel sure he would have pulled up there. The Pan Pack is an awful fast boat. A mighty fine driver and a mighty good owner. And uh, we love to race against Dave. But We're going to see you in the final. We okay. know that. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Let's...
3: Okay, Marty, you got something? Mike, do... yes, I do have something. Standing in the pits next to driver Tom Deeth of the Miss U.S., the man he had to bail out two years in a row. Uh, Tom, first of all, what happened? How do you feel?
14: Well, I'm fine, and... Uh... The boat was running fine. I was just cruising around waiting for the one-minute gun to go off, and next thing I know I was, you know, blown up in the air, and I landed on the side of the cockpit and was sliding off, and I just took my foot and pushed off the rest of the way. I didn't want to get tangled up in the wing struts. But uh, evidently what happened is the boost compensator uh, ruptured a diaphragm and shot fuel all over the engine and it exploded.
3: Okay, then as far, far as the engine is concerned, is there severe damage in it?
14: No, the engine's in good shape. Uh, the boost compensator is an externally mounted part that's mounted on the boat itself, and it controls the amount of fuel which goes back to the tank. The question i got to ask, what about the
3: recovery? You, we, we've heard you really bad not the recovery crew last year. What about this year?
14: Well, I'll tell you what, this year they've really done their homework, <laughs> and my hat is off to the recovery team because uh, they did a fantastic job. They were right there on the spot. There was a real bad fire, and, it, and they put it out. Last year it was a little fire, and it got to be a bad one. This year was a bad fire, and it was... And they took it and took control of it and put it right out, no problem.
3: You think you'll be racing again this year, or is, is the U.S. through?
14: No, no, we're going to take the boat to Tucson to Ron Jones's shop, and I'm sure we'll have it ready for the Phoenix and San Diego race.
3: I've right, then uh, most of the damage right now is hull.
14: Right, well, it's not even too bad in the hull. It's just what you see is about what it is, the cowling, and windshield, and the instrumentation and so forth, so... The, bad, the worst part of the fire was in the cockpit area.
3: Is the boat competitive? Did you get a chance to feel out there? You're going to be competitive the rest of the way.
14: I think so. Uh, I was checking the boat out after we lost that prop in the first heat, and it felt uh, real good. It was handling good, and uh, I was looking forward to running with uh, George and, and uh, Mickey and the Budweiser. I think it would have been a good race.
3: Okay, thank you very much. Tom Deeth, uh, driver of the Miss U.S. in good condition. They're going to be ready, in the next race is coming up. We'll go back to Rod.
1: And we're about 45 minutes away from racing action, and for the moment, we're going to break away from Lake Washington, and we'll be back very shortly. Anyway, the Budweiser... Sort of ...killing
7: a little time. We've got about half an hour to 45 minutes before the final heat mic, which features the Pay & Pack, the Lincoln Thrift, the Wisefields, the Atlas, and the Burners. Those are the five boats, and this is a recap of the uh, Heat 2B. Now, there's the dogfight between the Budweiser on the outside and the pack on the inside, which proved to be just too much for Mickey Riemann's, Bernie Little's Budweiser. She just couldn't take the strain. Well, uh, they threw a propeller, and, uh, of course, without a prop, you can't go. And uh, at least (laughs) at this stage of the game, the dogfight was turning into a real dogfight. There goes the prop. There goes the Budweiser out of the ball game, And uh, it makes it a a pay-impact cakewalk. And the pack, by the way, has had a few of those this year. Uh, Had she had to work for some of the victories she's been capable of thus far this year, it might have been a different story. Well, that, that gives the pay, in certainly uh, the inside shoot on the national point total, too. There has been some talk that this could possibly be the uh, the last race on the circuit. Uh, I noticed one of the drivers mentioned Phoenix, but so far that has not been confirmed, at least as far as I know. Not to my knowledge. In fact, San Diego has not been confirmed as yet, although Bill Muncy says we're going to go there. In fact, uh, uh, the scuttlebutt in the pits during the past few days was that Muncy is in on the arrangements for the San Diego race and maybe... Rod Belcher down in the pit area can talk to Bill about whether or not the, the course uh, of unlimited hydroplane racing for 1975 will move into San Diego if at all. Uh, if it wouldn't. In other words, if the if the racing should stop here. If Phoenix falls by the wayside and San Diego can't get off the ground, then of course the National High Point Championship is decided here also. Which is another factor that has to be in the mind of uh, George Henley, Dave Ahrensberger, and the Pay and Pack in view of the fact that uh, the point situation does not allow The backdoor slide uh, availability to the Pay & Pack as the points did allow in the Gold Cup race only a week ago in Tri-Cities. With 800 points, the Pay & Pack hasn't got a comfortable lead over the Lincoln Thrift with 700 or the Wisefields with 625. And, of course, the Atlas and the Verners with 300 cannot win this boat race, really, but they can change things around should they uh, plant themselves in place of some of these others who need the points and uh, kind of mess up the overall picture of the final heat. Now, we understand also, and we're trying to confirm that, that the Miss Budweiser, Bernie Little said it on uh, on the air just a moment ago, that uh, he figures that he might have a shot at running in the final heat. Now, he has no points. But if the Budweiser gets back together and gets hot... They have nothing to lose to go out and put on a great show for the final heat. That has to figure into Heronsberger's plans also because a good show in the final heat may mean jeopardy for the pay impact to have to run like that. Well, we should have a a whale of a boat race between all three boats, uh, provided the butt is not in there, between the pack, the Lincoln Thrift, and the Wisefields. I mean, the Wisefields and the pack have been battling each other... uh, all season long. Well, Lincoln Thrift has been the sneaky guy. He's been sitting there just picking off points left and right. And he, going into this race, was third, and a very close third, as a matter of fact, in the national point total. So uh, it's going really according to script in that you do have the Wisefields' pack battling each other in this final heat for all the marbles in this particular race, and possibly the point total. Uh, And the Lincoln Thrift is sitting in there in a comfortable position, very comfortable. Better than a lot of people figured. With 700 points, that's a victory in a second place, and uh, who'd have it? Say, uh,
1: Ray and Mike, this this Rod back at Pitt Central. What you've been watching is the Flying Burrito Brothers, as they're billed, uh, from their kite school. And... I thought for a minute there one of them was going to have a tough landing, but I guess that was just an appearance of going behind the trees. And there they are with their kites, and I don't think it takes the Coast Guard helicopter to uh, rescue them. But anyway, you know, uh, Bill Muncy and I still have been talking here about this strategy going into the last thing, and I noticed that Mike Fitzsimmons did say, sure, Uh, the pay-in-pack is not in that comfortable a position, and if any of us are under the mistaken impression that that's true. I think we better have that straightened away before we get into this final racing action. Also, Bill Muncy, uh, what, what about those upcoming races? Heck, you're the, the living San Diego expert right now. Where do okay. we stand?
2: Let me just start off with number one. Number one, the pay Pack, in my opinion, has not had a cakewalk this year. Now, you might say, well, based on the performances, performance in the last heat in the Gold Cup in Pasco, all he had to do was cruise third to win. But let me tell you, he did some tremendous racing in the three preliminary heats, and not in one race that I observed, and most of the races I observed him from behind, uh, was he able to just cruise all across the country. Uh, going into this final, he he hasn't got this race locked up by a long shot. The Weiss fields are in contention for National High Point Championship, the Pay peck certainly is there, the Lincoln Thrift is all there, they've all got to go, and if running in certain positions, if they don't end up properly, the Pancake does not have this race locked up. Now, the only thing that the Atlas van lines can do, as I mentioned, is maybe muddy up a little water. If we could run up uh, second or third in there, it would change things around a little bit. But all three boats have to go. And the one that's going to go strong and go good, and uh, you can bet you a lot they're going to smoke this race course as quick as it's ever been smoked, and that's the Weisfield. And those shoemaker's capable of turning 121, 122 mile lap, maybe even quicker than the Miss U.S. did when she ran the first seat here today. Well, uh, it's not a cakewalk, uh, in my opinion, uh, in the
1: interest of anybody. Yeah. Well, let's get something straight on this rules business. Uh, unless I understand the rules way wrong, I don't know what I don't know what Bernie Little's talking about uh, about getting in this race. I didn't think anybody with zero points could make it into the championship heat in, or the final heat of the day. Well, I got to tell you, I I don't know for sure. <laughs> I've
2: never seen that happen. I can't imagine a boat that hasn't earned any points all day long being able to run into the final. There are a couple of other boats here who have uh, been out and then ran a couple of laps and weren't able to complete the heat, maybe, but uh, they would certainly be eligible to be, if there was anything like a draw or something. Hey, I, we're talking about something that I don't even know exists. I don't I don't, yeah. think, I don't think it's possible. Now, as far as racing in San Diego is concerned, uh, we have a sanctioned event there, and it's been sanctioned by the American Power Boat Association for the 21st of September. Right now, uh, beginning, uh, I think, as of, as of Friday, Uh, The Unlimited Commission approved a sanction for Phoenix, Arizona. Now, they're putting it into a race course down there that originally was designed for limited racing competition. It's a real tight, closed course. It's probably, well, it's on a par, really, with Dayton, Ohio, I think. Uh, Bob Fender, who, of course, is from Phoenix, has suggested to us that it's maybe a little a little bigger than Dayton, but not really. It's a tight, limited race course, and probably the top speeds won't be much over 150 miles an hour. So those two races are are a a sanctioned. They've been approved and they're scheduled for the 14th of September in, in Phoenix and the 21st of September in San Diego. So as far as you
1: know, we're gonna go. Okay, and Mike Rhodes is gonna go. He's got a feature with the Coast Guard helicopter. Well, really not the cop, to j- <laughs> Rod, we're going to talk to the physician
5: on board the helicopter. This is Lieutenant Commander Al Steinman. Commander Steinman is the Coast Guard physician who is uh, on board the chopper today and who has had a rather busy day, haven't you, Commander?
16: It has been. Uh, we've had a number of uh, calls for uh, help. The uh, most dramatic, of course, was the case of the of the Miss U.S. And, uh, apparently, uh, the driver was blown out of the boat, I understand, but fortunately was, uh, was uninjured. Uh, uh, we... Uh, just about watched the accident happen. We landed about, oh, I'd say within one minute after he hit the water, and uh, two of the police divers went into the water, actually pulled him out of the water on board the helicopter, where I examined him, uh, assured myself that he was uninjured, and we brought him back here where Dr. Merrill then uh, completed an examination on him.
5: He didn't, in fact, ever leave the pit area, did he, Doctor?
16: No, as uh, my understanding, he never did. Uh, fortunately, even though there was a fire on board the, uh, the Miss U.S., he was wearing a Nomex suit, which is uh, fire retardant, as you know, and uh, he had fire retardant gloves on as well, and that's why he was uninjured. I might add that earlier in the day, apparently another driver who was not wearing a Nomex suit... Uh, was uh, burned, had certainly Burns on his arm and shoulder, and, uh, and I understand he's still in good condition. And uh, was was seen at Harborview, and is in good condition. Yes, I, w- I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about what
5: you carry aboard. First of all, uh, our uh, personal thanks to you, as well as those of all the drivers
9: and the spectators, etc., for the wonderful job you folks do every year. Five boats running around it's going to be rough anyway. But uh, of course, when it's out when you're out front or up near the front, it's not near as rough as it is in the back. But all in all, I think the course is nice. The turn's are perhaps a little wider than I'd like, but that's, on, that's my personal preference. But the course, I think, is, is really pretty nice. So you don't completely agree with Lee Shaneth, then, on what he said?
15: That is the word from uh, Milner Irvin, the driver of the Lincoln Thrift, which now has 700 points, and the owner of the Pan Pack, Dave Hernsberger. It looks like we'll have a real horse race in this final heat between the two of them. Thank you, gentlemen. Back to Ron. Craig, you've got Dave there. Grab him for a moment, Dave, please? Uh, Ron Barr has something he would like to ask you. Uh, my
1: question to him was, the Pride of Pay and Pack got off to a slow start. They made a change to Jim McCormick to George Henley. What happened? Why is the boat going to win three in a row and maybe it's fourth straight? Okay, what
15: Ron is wondering is, the cha- when you changed over to uh, George Henley after you had a slow start at the beginning of the season, you went to George Henley and all of a sudden everything came together and you're the hottest thing in town now.
6: Well, of course, that... You know, we, we made some changes on the boat over the winter, uh, trying to improve it, and we really, uh, you might say, fouled it up some, but we went the wrong way. Uh, Jim McCormick, who is a super driver, just didn't know what the boat did before, uh, and he kind of decided that he couldn't relate to the crew in the, in the proper way. George has driven the boat. He was able to get back in it and relate to Jim, the crew chief of what where the problem was, and we narrowed up the runners so bad, or we took all our strength away, which is the cornering characteristics, and, and uh, excuse me. Uh, but, uh, uh, I lost my train of thought here. <laughs> but uh, uh, Craig, you might
14: also ask him
6: whether uh, George was able to get back in the boat and tell us that when he did go in the corner, that, that we didn't have enough sponson area to hold it up, and we were nosing over on our nose, and, and the tail end of the boat would come around, and, and uh, He'd hook it and spin it out. So we were able to widen back up the runners very similar to the way they were last year, and uh, now the boat uh, is running as good or better than it ever has. And Great.
15: essentially what you're saying is that George fits into the team, makes it more of a racing team than uh, McCormick did.
6: Well, he's he- had more experience on the boat, and I don't want to take anything away from Jim at all because he, he likes to go fast, and he's a charger, and he uses his head very well. But George can relate. He knows, and it's just experience with this boat that's really helped us. And it's made a it very very helpful to us to get us back in the ballgame. i had no visions that we'd be in this position at this time of this year to be ahead na- of national points right now craig rumor has it that dave's going to have himself a new
15: boat next year right one of the things uh, of course a lot of people are wondering about is where do uh where does dave hernsberger and the pay and pack go from here you've won two gold cups you've won the, uh your, looks like you're going to win this one uh where do you go from here where people are talking
6: about a new boat and other challenges well, of course, we haven't won this one by a long shot. There's lots of things that can happen, as you've seen out there today. But uh, everybody is pushing us. There's a lot. These boats are a lot closer than maybe they appear today. The, the U.S. particularly is running super, and the fields and the Lincoln's coming. Uh, we've just got to. We kind of instigated this whole wing and honeycomb boat type construction, and uh, now they're catching up with us. So we've got to try to put a another separation between us, and maybe move out by make a new lighter boat and. Uh, Hopefully if it's lighter, it'll accelerate better and go through the corners better and we'll be quicker and and maybe get our supremacy back where we can breathe a little bit. But
15: but after you win like you have and after you do establish yourself as a dominant force and you seem to have mastered
6: uh, what you have, what is the challenge in unlimited hydroplane racing at this point for for you? Well, of course, our challenge right now is to be a three-time national champion. So I think Bardall has been that in a row, uh, Budweiser, Driftway, but there's very been very few people have been i don't know if anybody's been four-time national champion consecutively and of course we've got to win the third one before we can...
2: you know that direct line there's a lot of equipment attached to that shaft to keep it in well to keep it the way it should be in, in good strong straight alignment uh frankly we've had two propeller losses today The two strong boats the budweiser and the miss u.s Uh, That tells me just one thing. They're pulling awful strong power and they're putting the load factor on that equipment to a point where maybe it's not ever been before. And I know that in the case of Mickey Riemann, he suggested that they really weren't running that hard, but the load factor really is still there. So uh, they really blew those propellers right off those boats, and they're running the hard that hard because the load factor is, you know, the load factor is that high, and it would give, us your, give you a clue. Now, we don't have the greatest propellers in the world, the best we have with the material that's available to us, but in my opinion, as far as unlimited hydroplane racing is concerned, propellers leave more to be desired from a developmental point of view than any other piece of equipment aboard. We just really haven't, really, there isn't anybody that knows that much. Uh, We have a couple of guys who have some knowledge and have background and experience and worked with them and stuff like that. But they haven't come up with the ultimate propeller yet by a long shot. So as far as Billy, you know, is concerned, he, a driver makes a decision like he did to cool it because he was fighting something was breaking. Uh, Hey, he's got to live with that decision. And uh, that's what he's expected to do out there. And I know that there's some decisions you make that come out wrong. But you did them in good spirit and you did them in quick thought.
1: And uh, you got to honor him for the courage of his convictions. One of the drivers we haven't heard from previously today. We're going to correct that situation right now. Martin Wyatt has Mickey Raymond.
3: Okay, uh, Bill Muncie and Rod Belcher, we've got uh, Mickey Remond, the driver who has yet to finish one. I know Mickey's ready to get out there. First of all, you think they're going to be able to get it together to, to go out again for the final heat?
12: Oh, yes, we'll be ready. Uh, what happened this last time, we just lost a piece off the propeller. Uh, this The tip come off of one of the blades, but it puts it badly out of balance, and I had to just bring it over to a patrol boat and stop.
3: Okay, the question comes to mind. The U.S. had the same problem. Well, they lost the prop all the way, but it caused so much damage to the engine internally that uh, they weren't able to complete that next heat. What about your engine, the damage possibility to the engine itself?
12: Oh, we're all right in the engine compartment as far as losing the propeller goes. What happened with Tommy was when the blade comes off, then the engine over-revs, and apparently that's what happened to him. Ours, we just lost a little piece, just enough to make it shake pretty violently, and I actually lost it in the far turn with the pain pack, and then I just finished the turn off, kind of got out of the way carefully, and I drove to a patrol boat and shut it off. It was shaking too bad to race, but I could have driven it home if I had to.
3: Well, it seemed that before that accident happened that you were going, you had a, a duel with the, uh, you know, that, like you had last year with the pack. Did you have more? Could you have gone harder?
12: Actually, I felt real comfortable. I'm not sure just how hard George was running it. Uh, The point race is so close, I feel he was running pretty hard. I kept the manifold pressure down to about 105 inches, which saves the engine. I ran real conservative, and after I turned with him on the first turn, I thought to myself that I could probably get him if I wanted to. So I ran medium hard, and I felt real comfortable, and we went into that far corner side by side, and I was... Actually, turning with them or out turning them through the corners, and uh, I felt really good about it. I thought I would just take my time, relax, and try not to make any mistakes, and I felt as if I could get him.
3: Looks like you're going to come out smoking in the final heat. You got action for that one anyway.
12: Yeah, Budweiser always tries to run hard no matter what the circumstances are. I'll have to think about this a little bit. We're putting on a propeller that we've never run before. It's an unknown. I'm going to have to stand on the gas a little bit during the five minute period and see how the boat's going to react. And if I'm not exactly sure, I won't run that close to my friends if I'm not exactly sure. (laughs) I'm going to think about this, and if it feels good on the five-minute gun, I'll run with them. If not, I'm going to be a little safe.
3: Okay, thank you very much. Mickey Redman, the driver of the uh, Budweiser, they will definitely be ready, and they'll be in for the final heat, and we're going to see a good race, definitely. Back to you, Rod.
1: Yeah, back to us. Well, Bill, another thing that I, I want to get back to when we're leading up to this next race, here's Milner Irvin, a second year, a sophomore driver, and all of a sudden, he's got... All these points up there, 6,301 points, and he's challenging the pay and pack and the wise fields if he has a, a good race coming up and, and goes on to Phoenix and uh, uh, San Diego. What's with this young guy, anyway? How do you guys rate him as a driver? Well, he certainly isn't a young guy. If well, we define them in our sport. In his
2: 30s, huh? <laughs> or,
1: but, I mean, he's a sophomore among unlimited. Yeah, folks. there's no question, but...
2: 99% well all the drivers that are in unlimited racing nowadays uh, come up through the ranks of limited racing and they get well at least 99% of them have national championships from other classes of racing otherwise they probably wouldn't have been invited to drive an unlimited in the first place so you say well he's a rookie he's maybe new to our class of racing but he's not new to racing and he makes all the right moves he's got all the conditioned reflexes he's got the background he's got the experience all the necessary things And uh, he's also happened intellectually. He's one of the sharpest guys I've ever known. So He sure Uh, sounds like It's not
1: unusual, really, that he should be running where he is. Well, one of the uh, real respected veterans is Bill Shoemaker, and Mike Rhodes is with him. Mike? Yes, we veterans like to get
5: together once in a while. For your information, Rod just called you a veteran and me a veteran. So I'm saying that we veterans like to get together once in a while. Billy, I think we've seen just a sprinkling of, of most anything that can happen to hydroplanes in these races today, haven't we?
17: Yeah, it's definitely been a, a variety pack as far as the boats are concerned in their performances. It's
5: a little disappointment, I'm sure, to you and your camp insofar as your point standing. We, you were so uh, close to tying and going ahead in that uh, in the uh, overall uh, national standings. However, you still have some racing ahead, and it appears that you're ready to do it.
17: Yeah, close doesn't count, you know, unless you're playing hand grenades. And I'm I'm looking at it like uh, the close in national points means nothing to me at this point. I'm going to try and win this final heat. If we break down, we break down. Then we'll have a month to repair whatever it is and find our problem. You know, we've been coasting, you might say, through the last three races, hoping that we had solved the problem, and we haven't. Uh, We're still burning pistons as we were several weeks ago. So you're saying you have more to give in this last race than you've been showing so far? Yeah, I have more to give. I was trying to save the uh, the engine, and, and uh, it still broke, so I might just as well push it harder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In doing that, of course, you have replacements, and when the next
5: race comes up, you'll be all set for that. But in, in doing that, you then take advantage of, of some of the people who uh, now are in advantageous positions and really can't afford to push that hard. Is that right?
17: Well, if I were paying Pack, I think I would settle for uh, second place or even third, actually, and, and win the race. But. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm hoping that Herensberger is over there telling them not to let me beat them and, and uh, uh, if that's true then they may break down themselves you know these are all aircraft engines and, and uh, the boats are basically the same and if you see an awful lot of them breaking down uh, the possibility is that they could too. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what the point standing is because I heard Bill
5: Muncy, who is, who is very smart at these things, and Rod Belcher saying, if this and if that, but the one conclusion I did draw was that no one can coast in this final heat.
17: No, not if you want to win the race, for sure. We had thoughts for a while about taking taking it easy again and maybe coming out with a second or a third to, to maintain our, our national points, but that got voted down. We all want to go go out to race and go out to win, and, and uh, that's what we're going to do. Well, so in the last heat, you
5: and all of the others will be putting to work everything that you've learned up until now, and any misfortunes you've suffered so far, that's in the past, and now you've got a race ahead of you.
17: Well, there's no question about that. The only thing that we're a little discouraged about is that, that we know we still have the problem. We have not cured the problem. We have another engine in the boat. It's the one I ran in the first heat. Uh, but... I'm afraid that it's on its way too. And if it isn't on its way, I'm saying this because I got a vibration in the first yeah. heat, then uh, without having fixed the problem in the boat, wherever it is, we're liable yeah. to burn a piston again in the final. What is what is the, how close can you define the problem? Is it a vibration thing or? Uh, No, I don't think it is a vibration thing. The vibration means the engine is possibly on its way out. Uh-huh. Uh, the problem is in the boat somewhere. It's either, it's got to be in the fuel flow or the mixture of fuel that we're using, because it's just getting too hot in the cylinder uh, uh, head, on the cylinder head, and it's uh, burning pistons just left and right. Every time we use any power at all, and I mean uh, three quarters of what's available to me, I burn a piston. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really don't know what to expect in this final heat. Well, I suppose you've called it. All you can
5: do is just get what's left in it, and, and if it's going to blow, let it blow. That's right. And then you're ready for a new one on the next Billy, thank you very much. Bill uh, Schumacher, we still have lots of good racing coming up, but we'll be seeing this young man because uh, I can't repeat too often, Rod, uh, referred to him as a veteran. Let me say once again, for someone who might have missed it before, that is the second winningest driver in hydroplane racing today, the first being my uncle, Bill Muncie.
1: Rod, you got some more to say? Uh, well, I've got that, that uncle of yours right here. Bill, at least we were right about the Budweiser. It can't run in the third heat, and that's just been made
15: official.
10: I thought they were kind of,
1: frankly, talking through their hats or out of extreme optimism that somehow they'd be declared in, but they've officially been declared out. Bernie Little told our floor director, Tim Abhold, that, and Harry Woods just came up with the final edict. That's it. The Bud is out. You've got a five-boat race. And we're going to let you get back and get ready to your preparation because it's uh, only coming up in about 23 minutes from now. We have kind of some pretty picture features. If you had time, I'd let you stay and watch them, but I don't know if you deserve it. you You got to think, think I'm not strong gonna, and aggressive. I certainly am not going to admit to any relationship with Mike Rowe. <laughs> okay, our cameraman out here with all the eight cameras have recorded a bunch of uh, most interesting things, and right about here to break the tension before we get into the final action, let's sort of look
18: and listen. Well, of course, the problem, Jim, is that uh, we made the decision here without regard to what votes or people were involved. It's very difficult to put personalities or individual votes. We understand but that, Bob. In the context. I, did I understand want... uh, Bill Newton's original ruling. Our position was that his ruling was correct. That's right. And from a legal point of view, it's the only ruling that we could adopt at this time. And that's the only
4: ruling
11: he made, Bob, so that you know that from down there. Yes, I do. Okay, babe. Okay, back to Good Montgomery.
18: Good luck to you. Thank you very much. All right.
11: Sometimes in this sport, just like in basketball, I guess it's good to be a lawyer, Bob. We've been delighted with your showing so far. If we don't get a chance to talk to you again before you leave, good to have the Lincoln Thrift back, and my gosh, you come back this far this year. Who knows what's in store for you next year, huh?
18: Well, of course, Steve, we're very excited to be back. We like the Seattle area. We're delighted that they're running the race on Lake Washington, and we would like very much to come back next year. improvement of the boat, of course, is our main goal, but uh, the ultimate is to make unlimited hydroplane racing a better sport, and that's really what we're looking for.
11: Let's talk 60 seconds, if Ron will stand by here, about the race in Phoenix coming up. It is a small course, a man-made lake. It'll measure what, Bob? About a mile and two-thirds.
18: Yes, it's the same size as the limited courses. It's a mile and two-thirds. The race course is on Indian Reservation land, so we needed tribal council approval. As you know, we raced in Lake Pleasant last year. The anticipated audience was about 30,000. We had 120,000 people try to get into the lake pleasant park and over 90,000 actually made it the problem there is that our water level is down 24 feet from last year and makes it impossible for us to put a pit area that's operational the uh, firebird lake facility is about 15 minutes from downtown phoenix it is small but we believe that straightaways and turns to be wider than dayton and if the sport's going to grow we're going to have to learn to run on smaller courses
11: Very good point, and uh, certainly teams like yours are flexible enough. You have different size wheels, different gearboxes, and you'll set up a little differently for that lake than you did this one, obviously.
18: Well, of course we will, but that isn't necessarily our best boat uh, race. Many of the Rolls-powered boats here using the nitrous oxide injection have a great deal of acceleration and will probably do very well on that course.
11: Bob, again, good to have you in Seattle, and I want to talk to Ron Jones, a man I had the pleasure of talking to for about an hour last night on the radio, and it was fun to talk about wings and things. We got a little technical, Ron, but I've had a lot of good feedback, and on behalf of our listeners, thanks again for your appearance uh, last night with us. Thank you, Steve. It was a lot of fun. I could do that for hours. I know how you feel. Most of us are that way. Now the Lincoln Thrift goes in the water, and you have to be pretty happy with the progress this team has made since you rejoined them a a few weeks ago, huh? Yes, certainly. We are very, very happy, and all the credit goes to a very hard-working crew
1: that Bob Fendler has put together. And, of course, Milner Urban just has to be coming along like Buster's gang. He's done a tremendous
7: job this year.
1: A cakewalk. What
7: I meant to say by that was that he slid into the back door in some final heats, but in order to do that, it requires that a a driver has to perform better than just reasonably well to provide himself with that option in the final heat. Now, at this moment, uh, George Henley has not got the option. It looks like he's going to have to run hard. And this fellow you were just talking about, Milner Irvin, really knows how to sit on a boat race. He uh, has kind of been controlling things from the wings, you might say. He's been watching the fast guys have their troubles, and he's been claiming all day he can't run with them, but don't count on that. And uh, in the long run, I think Milner's going to pull the stoppers out here and go for his first uh, unlimited hydroplane victory, and I think it should be very interesting.
1: Well, you know, if he won, that 400 points added to the 6,301 he has would give him uh, 6700 points and depending on what happened to the pack or the wisefields suppose the pay and pack and the wisefields both were to conk out and get a did not finish then all of a sudden you'd have a national High Point Leader. All the combinations. There's, there's so many of them, but i just like to point out some of these projections to give you something to think about as the race progresses.
7: You were mentioning also, uh, with Bill Muncie, what we had discussed earlier today about the in the event of a tie, the boat winning the final heat, winning the overall race. Mm-hmm. Uh, you recall back a few days, all things remembered as you... As you generally do, that uh, there was a time when bonus points were given. Oh, yeah. For the total elapsed time. And in fact, Bill Muncie and the fellow he now works for, Lee Shaneth, got into it in 1955 on this race course. And, you know, with the race course moved closer to the old Mount Baker Pits, it conjures up in my memory all of the old days. I mean, the really old days and uh in that day uh, in 55 bill muncie came home the winner of the gold cup at least he thought he was he came home with a checkered flag and they threw him traditionally into the water and there was a great celebration but when it was all over they discovered that because lee shaneth who hadn't in fact won a single heat all day had in fact placed far faster in his total elapsed time overall they gave him the victory, and that actually began the Seattle-Detroit rival that, to some extent at least, Lee Shaneff
1: loves to keep alive. Oh, does he ever. Say, listen, Mike, I want to ask you a point-blank question there. How the heck old were you in 1955? You were a babe in swaddling clothes. I'll tell
7: you, the race that I first remember seeing, in fact, the first, uh, the brightest image that I have in the back of my head of actually seeing something was, in fact, a 55 race. I remember when Lou Fadgel did his famous somersault, I witnessed that, and I recall uh, I've never seen more pieces of, I think it was old Kinescope film that uh, King Television was using at the time, but we watched that, I think, that evening in August of 55, about
1: 900 times before yeah.
7: the 11 o'clock news.
1: <laughs> That's got to be one of the most repeated pieces of uh, film, along with the burning of the Hindenburg and the uh, falling apart of the toma Narrows Bridge that you see time and time again, because it's... Uh, really a spectacular thing to have been caught on the camera and it uh, I don't know 20 years ago that is a long time but uh, I always get involved in nostalgia you know and uh... that's why I thought I'd bring that up the course moved down closer to the Mount Baker pits well, conjures
7: my... up all the great uh, thoughts of the, like the flying starts under the floating bridge with the, the great Lou Fagil and Joe Taggart and the slow motions.
1: Well, fact was, Mike, the course used to be three and a quarter miles long, and they really had a straightaway run at it in those days.
7: That's absolutely right, but the corner itself was very similar, if not a little bit further out into the lake than it is now. Uh-huh. And the
1: official tower or barge or whatever they called it was up in a position similar to where you are right now, wasn't it? Yeah, about 50 feet to the north of our position, and out on the end of this long pier
7: that uh, comes out of McClellan Street dock here.
1: Well, you know, we're getting up uh, about 11 minutes, 11 minutes before race time, and we do want to call in Martin Wyatt once again with a pit report. Okay, Rod,
3: I'm standing here at the uh, Pay Impact Pier with the owner, Dave uh, Herensberger. I know you're
6: confident, ready to go in. You're a winner, right? No, we're not a winner, Marty. I wish, we, I, wish I could say I was that confident, but I'm just sitting here awfully nervous and Hoping the engine stays together and hoping that uh, we can stay ahead of the Lincoln Thrift. That's our goal. Let let me ask you this. What did you tell Mickey?
3: Drive hard, just stay ahead of the Lincoln Thrift. Is that it?
6: I didn't tell Mickey anything. I told George. uh, George. (laughs) Okay. That was two years ago, Marty. (laughs) No, I told George to uh, try to finish at least second, and and if, if Lincoln is in front of him, he has to beat the Lincoln to win the boat race, and that's... Uh, if Weisfield gets in front of us uh, and runs hard, we'd be kind of foolish to uh, take a chance of breaking our equipment and blowing our whole day on one heat, and uh, we can finish the second uh, and stay at the Lincoln, we can win the boat race, and that's our real goal, I wait, hope wait, it materializes. Wait. Okay, as far as, uh, then you don't have any hang-up then with
3: just beating the Weisfield head up. No, not really. Not.
0: Whew, are you still with me? Man, a lot of great interviews, it was so fun hearing all those voices, but... It was a long episode. If you made it if you made it through this, I know you're a super fan and thank you so much for sticking around. I hope you'll come back tomorrow to hear the voices for that final heat of the 1975 Regatta. and there's some great interviews after the race, so I really hope you can stick around and listen to those pretty interesting stuff you'll hear tomorrow as well. Once again, part 3 of episode 76, the final heat and the post-race interviews will be released Sunday, August 8th at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Coast time. Hopefully we can kind of regain some seafarer nostalgia by listening to these races and the, and the audio interviews from all those high legends from years gone by. All right, I'll see you again tomorrow. And until then, I hope to see you at the races.